yeah. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. With a Kalashnikov bullet played in all the casinos, you saw Vladimir Putin on that stage in the uh, soccer stadium, 200,000 Russians, uh, most of them just totally into this war effort. It's listening uh, to a whole panoply of callers, both to Dominic Carter, who uh, just got off. By the way, later on, I'm going to uh, talk about some of the great programming he's done this week, especially talking about black on uh, Asian crime that is skyrocketing. And he was willing to go out there and deal with, uh, no doubt, people uh, who have the same complexion who are going to be criticizing him, and yet he said what had to be said. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, number two, and listening to all of these um, callers. Oh, my God. It's like they're ready to go to war. They're ready to go to war. Over what? The invasion of the Ukraine? We'll talk about that later on. But uh, some of you have lost your minds. You really have lost your minds. You're watching what's going on on TV. It's horrible. It's terrible. You're shocked by what Putin has done. He's done it before. In Chechnya, in Grozny, he flattened that city. He flattened Aleppo. We saw all of that. We weren't as bothered by that. We see these images every day, and now we want the United States to go to war, put up a no-fly zone. No, 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 no. We'll talk about that later on. We're going to give an opportunity for everybody here to take a chill pill as armchair generals and maybe rethink the tactics that you want the United States and NATO to engage in because you don't like the carnage you're watching on TV. Nobody does. <laughs> but you can't go to war. <laughs> in one sense, you say, uh, Vladimir Putin, a madman, out of control, but we want to go to war against him. Uh, you think about that. Then I, I heard the last caller uh, to Dominic Carter right before the top of the hour it was coming up with names. Remember, we're running out of time. We got to come up with a name for this, which uh, had been called the other side of midnight. But Frank Morano is now the golden boy because of his interviews back to back, belly to belly with Roger Stone and Paul Manafort, probably earning him a potential Marconi Award. Either that or a spot. Guest uh, appearance spot on 60 Minutes uh, for his interviewing skills. Uh, as a result of his interview with Roger Stone, YouTube has uh, put us on the shelf. WABC does not have any YouTube access. Uh, it'll be temporary. But I notice everybody has rallied uh, the wagons around Frank Morano. 
they have not in any way, shape, or form disparaged him. In fact, they have hoisted the flag of Frank Morano in victory. We'll talk about that momentarily. Boy, that's like going from a zero to a hero in just one week. But I like that. Fred came up with the fearless facts with Curtis Sliwa. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And, of course, uh, we're going to get into uh, a series of uh, discussions because that's what this show is about. You speaking. You taking the floor. Your turn to be heard. As we talk about Andrew Evelike Cuomo and his plot to get back into the thick of things. But first thing, uh, we got Bruce uh, at the boards today. Camilla. Hopefully I got that name right. Right, Camilla. 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 Madonna, I got to write this down. She was Camilla. Camilla. All right. We got it. Hopefully I'll get it right the rest of the day. So our team of Bruce and Camille are going to take us to the 6 o'clock hour. But we're going to take a break from all this talk about going to war in the Ukraine against uh, Putin and Russia and potentially Red China. And President, who, what's on second? I don't know who's on third. Let's belly flop right into home. No, no, no. We're, we're not talking about that now. I got a headache from all of that. And anything we will not change what's going to happen in the next few hours. So we'll talk about it later on in the program. But I want to start with the uh, the song, Old Danny Boy. Please, uh, Bruce, if you can hit that. Let's see which rendition. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. The pipes, the pipes are calling. By the way, uh, let me make mention to all you armchair generals out there. This is a song that oftentimes had to be played at an Irish veteran's wake or funeral after coming back. Uh, from giving their lives in conflict or or even in the aftermath of 9-11, the attack on America, when so many who were killed were Irish-Americans and how this song was played, again, at their wake, their funerals, uh, in replacement of the funeral dirge or along the march to the cemetery where eventually they would be laid to rest. And this is also the um, season of St. Patrick's Day parades, I was out there. Hopefully you saw me walking up and down the parade line. I'm not permitted to march in the parade. No, no, no. I'm not permitted to march in the parade. But I was certainly working the crowd, going up and down Fifth Avenue. How could you not have seen me? I was the only person all dressed in red, other than uh, some of those who were playing the bagpipes who had on those red jackets. But they always had something uh, of green. Although that's not the tradition in Ireland. I don't know if many of you are aware. Uh, That was not the tradition in Ireland. We have Americanized so many of these St. Patrick's traditions. It's incredible. You say, when I visited Ireland, when I went to Dublin, I actually saw a St. Patrick's Day parade there in which um, the master of ceremonies uh, was uh, Lord Fagan. He was the mayor. Lord uh, Mayor Fagan of Dublin, a Jewish guy. And they had gays and lesbians, and they had different entourages, small parade. And we're not talking about a huge parade like we saw the other day in the rain uh, on Thursday up Fifth Avenue. No, 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 no. Didn't, not like that at all. 
And so it's incredible when you compare the parade over there in the land of era, era, era to all the parades that have taken place here. As you know, last week, uh, I was out in the Rockaways at the start of the parade with Rudy, my kumbadi cheats, Giuliani. In fact, I'll be substituting for him on Monday. Uh, he's got some business to attend to. Uh, and his son, Andrew, is running for the Republican nomination to become the next governor of the state of New York. I'm assisting him in that. And then this weekend, uh, Rockville Senate tomorrow. Hopefully uh, it doesn't rain too badly uh, as the Irish will be on parade in Nassau County. And then, of course, the big parade. Second largest parade in all of New York State. Second largest to uh, what we saw on Thursday up uh, Fifth Avenue. And that is in the Irish River area along the Hudson River and Rockland County Pearl River. So I won't be able to stay long at any of those because i got to get back. And then tomorrow I've got to be with Anthony Weiner, left versus right, 2 to 4, Saturday afternoons. And then with Chris Hahn, left versus right, Sunday afternoons from 3 to 5. And i got to get in uh, also being a de- demonstration in Chinatown against the new jail that they're building there, which is crazy. So i got a busy schedule. But I want to first talk about Danny Boy. Because I heard it a lot being played all day Thursday, especially out of the gin mills. And I don't know if the Irish Catholics understand that this was written by a Brit. You know, St. Patrick's, he was a Brit. (laughs) He he was not from the land of era era. He was English. Just like the person who wrote O'Danny Boy, it was a Protestant song that the Roman Catholics culturally appropriated uh, to all of their festivities. In fact, Bruce, could I have a little more Danny Boy? Just keep it low. Gives me the motivation to get into some of the things that I want to discuss. And the other myth, and, you know, I hate to have to bust your bubble, Irish Catholics out there, but St. Patrick's did not drive the snakes of Ireland into the sea. There are no reptiles there. There are no snakes in Ireland, uh, other than human snakes. Usinit, as my grandfather Fidelo Bianchino from Andri and Bari, uh, that part of Italy would say, Usinit. No snakes, no reptiles. And this wearing of the green, as people were chastising me as I was going up and down Fifth Avenue, it seemed like I was in the line of march. If any of you had seen me, please chime in. But really, I wasn't part of any delegation. I've never been invited to the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade by the ancient order of Hibernians. One time, an elderly group of uh, Irish women from the Rockaways pulled me in. And when the ancient order of Hibernians tried to extricate me and said, you're not listed on our manifest to be marching, uh, they wouldn't let them interfere. And I remember it was a front-page article in the New York Times Because at that time, they weren't allowing gays and lesbians to march. And the argument of the gays and lesbians is, why did you let Curtis Lee march? He's not on the manifest. Well, I was basically conscripted in uh, by (laughs) the elderly lassies. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But what I saw in Ireland when I was there in Dublin for the St. Patrick's Day Parade is I didn't see as much green wearing as I see here. A lot of shamrocks. And I noticed when I went to the gin mills, because that's where a lot of the fights occur in the wee hours of the morning, and then the Guardia, who are really just a bunch of country bumpkin, who are the cops there in Dublin, 
they try to go rushing to stop it, but you have guys outside and they got they got glasses that they just break, and, and then all of a sudden they're slashing one another, and then the last runs of the buses from one to two in the morning to the outskirts to Kulak, Finlock, Valley Fairmont. But I noticed they take the shamrocks, they wear shamrocks, and for good luck they drown it in the whiskey before they drink it. Before they drink it. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. And then, of course, none of you got the trivia I asked for last week. I don't know. Maybe, maybe no Protestant Irish or uh, uh, Protestants from England were listening when I asked. So when is Orange Man Day? You know, when, when do they have their uh, glorious twelfth? Is it May? Is it April? When is it? Well, it turns out it's July. And that's when the orange all take to the streets and in Northern Ireland. If it's um, Belfast, I got to see that movie. I keep seeing the advertisements. It's very enticing. And I don't see movies. Uh, Derry, they decide they're going to walk through the uh, predominantly Catholic areas. You know, they figure like, hey, Prince William of Orange. That's right. We're going to flex the orange. In the Battle of Boyne, we destroyed the Catholics. Yeah, they did. And I'll never forget when John Gatti Sr. was on trial for the very last time, uh, when he was sent to Marion uh, Federal Prison, triple life without parole, and then when he died of throat cancer, good for that SOB. He went straight to hell without an asbestos suit. But I remember when he was in trial in the Eastern District Court, and one of the trial days was St. Patrick's Day. Uh, There was Gleason, the prosecutor, who now is a federal judge, but he was the lead prosecutor in that case. He was wearing naturally green, green tie, green ornaments. And John Getty Sr. would always dress up GQ style, was wearing an orange tie, like in solidarity with the orange order, with the orange men. And the Department of Transportation, my grandfather, Fidelo Bianchino, told me years and years ago, Department of Traffic, the roads and all that for the city of New York, mostly Italians. They laid the asphalt. They fixed the potholes. They painted the lines that separated uh, cars uh, that were going north or south, east or west. And their job was uh, early in the wee morning hours of St. Patrick's Day, they had to paint the Fifth Avenue line up Fifth Avenue Green. And what they chose to do in defiance of the Irish was painted orange. Because at that time, uh, most of the cops were Irish. Most of the guys getting arrested were Italians. Uh, Even the FBI, the uh, acronym always stood for forever busting uh, Italians. So that was their way of sort of scoring revenge. And then, of course, we'll continue to take your suggestions for the renaming of this uh, show, which goes from 1 in the morning to 6, Saturday morning. And then the best of Bernie and Sid follows. And then uh, on uh, Sunday morning, I start 12 midnight and go to 6. And then it's the, uh, I think it's the Long Island Report, I think, with uh, the judge and Peter King. I'm not quite sure. Uh, and then I know it's followed by Religion on the Line, the longest-lasting talk radio program on WABC. It was the first talk radio program when we flipped from uh, spinning stacks of wax with Herb Oscar Anderson, with Cousin Brucey, Bruce Morrow's on. You don't want to miss it Saturday night. So, wow, 6 to 10, followed by Tony Orlando without Dawn. I mean, that's 
That's six hours of amazing musical entertainment. They tell narratives, little vignettes. It's it's a great listen, and it relaxes you from all these uh, having to watch and hear about the war and Ukraine and people wanting to go to war and the death and destruction that's taking uh, place there uh, because of the dictates of a guy who is completely obsessed in becoming the new czar of Mother Russia, Vladimir Putin. Well, like I said, we're not going to avoid the subject. I just got a migraine headache from listening to all of the callers and so many of the previous programs talking about wanting to go to war because of what he's doing to the Ukrainian people there. <laughs> You're out of your minds. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go, if we can, right to the phones. And uh, let's go to uh, Howard. Calling from Elmhurst in Queens, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howie. Yeah, I have a great name for, for your program. Sleever, I mean, Sleever the Storm that challenges the norm. Wow. Hold on a sec. Sleever. Yeah. Uh, and you actually pronounced it the correct way in Polish. It is Sleever. It means uh, plum. In Ukrainian, it means plum. In Russian, it means plum. So that's why I could go to any one of those three communities, and they all think that somehow my lineage is part of theirs. Uh, but can you repeat that one more time, Howie, so I can write it down? Shliva the storm that challenges the norm. Wow, I like that. Shliva the storm that challenges the norm. Always in perfect form. Always oh, in perfect. Wow, that flows. That's got a rhyme. That's got a meter. That's uh, that's grabbing me. That's grabbing. Uh, Howie, I'm going to bump that up. We've already had about a hundred, a hundred suggestions for the new name that had to come about because the golden boy here at WABC, Frank Morano, can do no wrong with his uh, five star top shelf interviews this past week alone of Paul Manafort. And then, naturally, Roger Stone, as a result of that interview, YouTube has knocked us off their channel temporarily. Uh, but he's the one, golden boy. One more thing I just wanted to say. Yes, Howie. I don't know if it has anything to do with St. Patrick's, but every year there's a pilgrimage in Ireland. I saw it from the, I saw the mountain from the, it's called Crow Patrick. And ten, thousands of people go up on top of the mountain all, all at one time for a pilgrimage. Well, you know why? Because they're looking for the snakes and reptiles that he supposedly cast uh, off the island of Ireland. And there are no reptiles. There are no snakes in Ireland, you see? So they all go up there to the mountain. They swear there's snakes and reptiles. I don't know. Maybe they've been drinking too much Jameson. But, Howard, that's a myth. I, you know, I, I hate when I was there in Ireland, I had to bust their bubble. You know, the Irish guys, hey, you know, you know my cousin, uh, Eddie Flynn? No, I don't know him. Oh, you must know him. He's in Manhattan. No, I really don't know. They have American flags there side by side with Irish flags. It is the most friendly place to Americans other than Poland that I've ever been, Howie. Well, I've had only, I've had great experiences there. Oh, and the, the, one one farmer asked a Jewish guy, he said, to, he said to me, son, are you here to find your Irish roots? Ah, <sighs> oh, you ruined it, Howie. And Howie thinks he's going to be like a Borscht Belt comedian, you know, if they ever open up those old hotels, Kushner's, Brown's, Concord, Gross, because he'll go up Route 17. Uh, Howie, you're going to have to bust some tables, do Simon Says first, and then just maybe you'll do some stand-up at night. Well, he ruined, he ruined a good conversation. Ah, Howie, (laughs) 
Man, that was low budget. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Francesca. Is this Francesca in Woodhaven? Yes, yes, Curtis, thank you. You know, you are the, one of the best parts of this city, and you said something my dad used to say all the time, do not move, improve, and he knew what he was talking about. But I also never got my license because I could not parallel park either. To this day, I am licenseless. Wow. How many uh, tests did you go for after getting first? I went first? to four. four. I went to four, and many people tried to help me, and I just couldn't do it. I just didn't have the spatial you know, uh, savvy to be able to do it. And I finally just gave up. But no, luckily, New York is wonderful. Well, 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 Francesca, we have quite a bit in common here. My mother's name was Francesca. Was Uh, it really? Yes. From from where were your parents from, Francesca? Um, Actually, from Napoli. Okay, Napolitano. Calabrese, yeah, yeah. Oh, Calabrese, hardheads, hardheads. Hardheads, that's right. right, But my, uh, my mother was the last drop of 13 children. Uh, she oh was the only one born here in Brooklyn, although my grandmother, oh, Nicoletta Bianchino, was pregnant with my mother, Francesca, on the boat ride over. Whoa. Yeah, before oh, they got to Ellis Island. An interesting story, Francesca. So they yes. get to Ellis Island. Uh, my grandfather, Fidela Bianchino, could not read, could not write, but he had yes. a cousin, La Mesta, who was living up in the Bronx at that oh, time, who had come earlier. So he had... Uh, uh, my grandmother, his wife, Nicoletta, write the letter because she was very literate, uh, well-informed. And she wrote the letter and said to uh, La Mesta, for, as if it was from Fidel, I'm writing on behalf of my husband, Fidel. He said he'd like you to sponsor me. And we have four children and I'm pregnant oh. with one, which made five. Oh. Wow, God bless that woman. So, and that was not an easy, easy travel. No, that no, but but, been tough but this was months. this was the problem, Francesca. Uh, Francesca, my grandmother had more than just four, and was pregnant with my mother, Francesca. Uh, but she did not let uh, Lamesta know who was the sponsor. In fact, the guy who was on the ship who I was trying to coordinate all of the sponsors. If you didn't have a sponsor, yeah. you could actually pay for a sponsor. They always had some kind of, you know, yes. some kind yes. of scheme going. It was Raphael Lanzac, Raphael Lanzac. So if you had sponsors, he'd hook them up. He'd get them there to Ellis Island. So he got uh, he got my grandfather's cousin, uh, La Mesta, who had a funeral parlor in the Bronx, down to Ellis Island. So he sees his cousin Fidel. He sees, obviously, his wife Nicoletta. And then he sees 11 children, 12 children. He starts counting them. And he said, my God, when last I was there, Fidel and Nicoletta only had four children. They said he was pregnant with a fifth. Nicoletta was pregnant. And he goes to the immigration official. Uh, The guy says, are you going to sponsor them? He goes, I never saw them before in my life. I never saw oh them before. Because remember, he had to take no. responsibility for all of them. Sure, absolutely. It's huge. Resp- oh, my God. So he leaves. What so what happened? Right. So he leaves. My grandfather's going crazy, you know, screaming <laughs> invectives at him. Luckily, he was in Bades. The guy who was processing the people was uh, Irish. Yes, yes, yes. And so they're preparing to ship everyone back to Italy oh, because he didn't have a sponsor. So my grandfather threw Raphael Lanzac because he was always the schemer. 
was yeah, able, yeah, 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 right, yeah. was able to find another relative on Skillman Street in Brooklyn who was a butcher. Oh my gosh! Yes, who yes. agreed to sponsor the family? Uh, he oh. came over. Thank God they were released. They went. They got. They got a little cold water flat on Skillman Street, oh, and God. the. Um, uh, the landlord was an Italian woman who always was looking out the window, you know, like it used to be yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad used to say the best alarm system was a nosy neighbor. Yes. All right. So <laughs> he rented the apartment for wow. six. For six. Oh, so wow. he would tell the older kids, get lost during the day. Don't come back to the wee hours <laughs> in the morning. Because if the landlady starts counting, she's going to know. Take the broom and, and, and scatter them That's out. right. Yes. He's going to know that mm-hmm. I'm lying, and then we're going to be thrown out because there were no social services. There was no, no, uh, no. Uh, there was we no court, the uh, landlord-tenant court. So one morning, wow. my Uncle Sammy, who was a bit of a wise guy, would have been in that yeah. film with James Cagney, Angels with Dirty Faces. Angels with Dirty Faces, right. yes. He decides to come home early. Oh, and no. the landlady already sees him with my uh, my uncle oh, no. Tony and my uncle Vincenzo. They're walking in there like they own the world. She had already counted the four girls who were inside. Oh, my God. So she tells my grandfather, Issa Ford, Issa Ford, <laughs> out, out you go. Get out, 40, boss, the 40. Right, yes. so oh, 5 God. o'clock in the morning, they're all tossed into the street. Oh, no. And they had to find a place to live. And it took them three days, and then they rent. Oh, wow. uh, they ended up in an apartment on Remsen Avenue in Canarsie. Oh, Remsen, yes. It yes, was all yes. lots. Uh, it wasn't developed yet. There were a few houses. Oh, they yeah. found an Italian family. You say, hey, you know, they were from Bari, from Andrea. Because yeah, yeah. that's what you had to find somebody from your hometown. Gumbari, Gumbari. Yeah, right. And right eventually, on, yeah. my grandfather working... Uh, uh, with a pick and a shovel, and all the kids had yes. to get a job. And my my yeah, grandmother Nicolette at home was a seamstress, so she would take uh, work yeah. during the day. They bought yeah. that same house right there on Remsen Avenue, off of Avenue yeah. J. Did they? Oh my gosh! What an amazing story, Curtis. This this is, these are things that should be told. This is things that should be really really journaled and noted now let me let me tell you the side to it so lamesta yes. becomes a very successful funeral parlor owner not oh, just I in the bronx it. but he owns lamesta's on liberty avenue in east new york oh, next to the liberty church avenue. i know that yes, yeah oh, gosh yes so he has that uh, oh, this is does so a lot amazing. of business his uh, daughter uh sue lamesta wow. is uh, michael oh. Marisette, uh so very wow. close but my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, told all of his kids and his grandchildren, when I die, you are not going to lay me out in La Mesa. I don't care. It could be Guarino. It could be an Irish funeral home, a Polish funeral home. You don't ever lay me out in La Mesta. Even though Sula Mastic said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll take yeah, care of Pop. Give we'll, you a deal. Yeah, of course. And my yeah. mother, Francesca, said, if we do that, we will all go and burn in hell. Yeah, we will. yeah you'll be haunted for the rest of your, your, your adult days. That is too much. What fabulous memories, though, Curtis. You know, you are, you are a gem. And I, I, I tell you, truly, you are such a treasure to the city. And I, I can't thank you enough for all that you do. And I know you don't like to hear stuff like that. I do have a couple of ideas for the a, a title. For okay, your show. we got one week to go. One by next Friday, they're telling oh, me we're going to have to pick out of the hundred suggestions. There'll probably be more oh. by then. But go ahead. What is yeah, your suggestion? Bob, I have a few. 
The Well of Stars. Well of Stars. Okay. Cut to the Chase. Ooh, Curtis. I like that one. Cut to the Chase. Yeah. Okay. Back to Basics. Back to Basics with Curtis, with Curtis Lee. I like that. I like that. In Your Face. Ooh. In your face. In facha. your facha. Your facha <laughs> bruta, like Mario Facha Bruta Como. Exactly, Bruta Facha. I like The that. firewall. The firewall, yes. And conversations with angels. Ooh. You do an amazing job. Ooh. Thank you so much. And, and, and Nancy, too. Yes. She's wonderful. The I, best. I really She's the keeper. Segments. She's the keeper. As many people know, wonderful. I've had zero luck with marriages, but with Nancy... Aww. She's the keeper. She's the best, not like the rest. And, and, the and you love animals. Oh. Uh, I do a TNR as well because I'm not far from, from Forest Park here. So so many animals are abandoned there. Yes. It's so sad. So we do the TNR, the Trap Neuter Return thing. But God bless you, Curtis. And thank you for being at, at the St. Patty's Day Parade. That was a wonderful homecoming after all that we've been through. With yeah, well, you know, amazing thing is I was like the only person in all red. I don't know. Did, did all of you rush, you Irish out there who saw me in the parade, say, listen to, listen to you. None of you calling in? What, were you half in the bag? You didn't realize it was me? What, were you chasing the uh, leprechauns with a shillelagh after you kissed a Blarney Stone as if you were John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara? Oh, yeah, that was a great movie. Great movie. one 800 That's one 800 wabc York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. This is what Andrew evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Fancha Bruta Cuomo, was playing in his headphones before he headed up the, to the Bronx. Actually, it was um, on St. Patrick's Day, where in the past, normally he would have been uh, uh, pub uh, jumping from Democratic uh, established pub to Democratic established pub and then marched up uh, Fifth Avenue. That was not to be this year. Instead, in his comeback, who is that? LL Cool J, who had that song, uh, Come Back. I'm going to see if I uh, can get that song. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be like his theme song. Yeah. Two Queens guys. Uh, so you had uh, from Hollisswood, Queens. Andrew Evilized Cuomo grew up in the Cuomo compound with his brother Fredo, Chris. Not far from the Jamaica states where the Trumps had their compound. In fact, 
the Cuomo family and the Trump family couldn't be any closer, tighter, or more friendlier. Fred Trump helped raise money for Mario Faccia Brota Cuomo, and he was just a uh, local lawyer who then began to climb the political ladder after he uh, sat down and negotiated a settlement in Corona, Queens, along the LIE, when John Lindsay, at that time in the 60s, wanted to force a public housing project into that area, very liberal Forest Hills. And then the liberals objected, and they protested, and they chained themselves to the fences, uh, and they uh, tried to stop the bulldozers from turning the ground and the city from building the public housing project. And then it was Mario Fachabruta Cuomo, the community lawyer there in Corona, who was chosen by John Lindsay to negotiate a settlement. He did, and it did not become a project. It's really like more co-op for seniors, uh, disabled, things of that nature. By the way, who is the leader? Who is the Jewish guy who is the leader of the group of protesters against the building of that uh, public housing project off of the LIE on 108th Street? that John Lindsay decided to choose Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo to negotiate, and he did, and it was no longer a public housing project. I think his first name was Jerry, and I think eventually he moved down to Florida from the very liberal, very progressive Forest Hills at that time. But, oh, boy, the moment they protested that public housing project in their backyard, they were called racists. Sort of like Albert Shanker was, who was the head of the United Federation of Teachers, or what I call Union of Failed Teachers back then, when all of a sudden he got a cold reality slap in the face when Mr. Liberal Progressive Albert Shanker was called a racist. Uh, that was the times. That was the times. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But the reason that Andrew Evilized Cuomo was playing that tune in his headphones on the way from his Cuomo compound in Southampton, which is the uh, household of uh, of uh, his brother, Chris Cuomo, that you just heard in the top of that news segment, is trying to shake down uh, CNN, which for a while there stood for the uh, Cuomo National Network. The CEO of uh, of CNN was Zucker. Uh, Zucker uh, whacked uh, Chris Cuomo out, and then in order to get his revenge, Fredo now is suing uh, CNN and its parent company, AT&T, for $125 million. Is that chutzpah? Is that huevos? Is that culions? $125 million. So you got Fredo battling CNN, the old Cuomo National Network, in which, uh, as you heard in the news roundup, he claimed all those nine interviews that I did with my brother, uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, at the uh, time of the lockdown and the uh, pandemic, which were uh, outstanding rating uh, gatherers for CNA. Uh, me and my brother, we didn't want to do it, but Zucker convinced us. Zucker and his gal pal turned out to be his uh, love toy, and also... Andrew Evil I Cuomo's love toy. Originally, uh, she had been on his staff, and he would text to her, hey, I'd like to be your pool boy. Can we go out and have some drinks? <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah. Man, that's the Italian stallion. This guy was uh, certainly not uh, a eunuch, that's for sure, Andrew Evil I Cuomo. 1-800-848-9222. So here is the ad that's been running on television. Cuomo has a war chest 
of $16 million, which should only have been utilized in a campaign. This is not a campaign. This is an attempt at resurrection. This is like uh, attempting to bring uh, political Lazarus back from the dead. And he's using this money to build up his rep in case he does decide to run against crime wave uh, Kathy Holcomb. Holcomb, uh, that's her last name because, uh, let's face it, she's full of Holcomb. Nonsense. One minute she's for no bail. Now all of a sudden she's against no bail. It's like this lady is... Constantly flip-flopping, constantly. We'll get into that later on. But I guess he's felt that she's more vulnerable to lose her seat as governor than Tish James is as attorney general. And it just so happens that in a recent Emerson uh, poll, all the black uh, men and women who would have voted for Tish James if, in fact, she had stayed in the primary against uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb, uh, Tom Swazi, who's going nowhere, and Jumani Williams, the uh, uh, the acolyte of AOC, All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, he's going nowhere, that um, he decided, uh, forget this, James, I'm going after Kathy Holcomb, and he's right. She is the one most vulnerable. He's only four percentage points behind in that Emerson poll. And these uh, Cuomo TV ads uh, have been effective in beginning to raise his profile. In politics, like in life, you stand on your record, your results. As governor, every day I worked my hardest to deliver for you. New airports, trains, bridges, paid family leave, the strongest gun laws, and a $15 minimum wage. And we led this nation through the frightening COVID crisis. I haven't been perfect. I've made mistakes, but I also made a difference. I've never stopped fighting for New Yorkers, and I never will. Ah, so, yeah, I've made mistakes, but you know me. You know me. I'm a perv, the governor perv. And imagine his excuse for always having his hands all over his female uh, employees was that that was an Italian thing. (laughs) He hid behind... Uh, the Italian culture and claim that this is what Italian guys do. Hey, what a sfacim. What a schifosa. Let me give him his, uh, his salute. Andrew, attendeme to you provino sfacim. And like your father, Mario, you are. To hide behind the Italian-American culture to say that it's cultural, that you're a perv, and you can't get your hands off of the women that work for you. Nonsense. So he traveled to what would have been um, abhorrent to him years ago when he was riding high in the saddle, to the Bronx Clergy Coalition, uh, mostly Hispanics, and uh, it's run by Ruben Diaz Sr., who has served in city council, served in the state legislature, lost uh, for the congressional seat uh, to uh, Richie Torres, happened to be a gay guy. And this is a guy who... uh, Many have said it's a homophobe. He, he definitely has, uh, has given homophobic tendencies. So here it is. Imagine politics <laughs> leads to such strange bedfellows. Here's, here's Andrew Evilized Cuomo, the author of the gay lesbian marriage bill. 
being invited by Ruben Diaz Sr., who is the number one opponent to that. But now it serves both their ends if, as part of his resurrection, as part of his renewal in terms of trying to become governor again, that Cuomo allies himself with the likes of which people he never would have done so before. So he's in that bully pulpit at the Bronx Hispanic uh, uh, Coalition of clergy members, and he's talking about negativity on social media. You can feel the growing tension that hangs in the air. You feel it on the street. It starts with anxiety, and the anxiety then begets frustration, and the frustration then begets anger. And it has been festering for years. But it got worse through COVID. During COVID, we had the isolation. We had that genuine fear during COVID. Afraid for yourself, afraid for your family. Who's going to get it? What does it mean? Jobs closed down. Basic insecurity. And that negativity spreads on social media today. Oof. Can you believe this guy? He was the guy who signed the no-bail law into existence. He promoted it. He encouraged it. And now all of a sudden he's talking about how, oh, it's so frightening out there. And, oh, I'm a victim of the cancel culture. Then he went on to talk about the hostility that's out there. It is a network that provides a marketplace for that hostility and that anger. And you put that all together, and it creates a toxic mix for the body politic. It's created a culture of judgmentalism and intolerance. Nobody talks. There's no discussion. There's no dialogue. But everybody has a strong opinion. And they equate a strong opinion with a loud opinion, and they equate decibel level to intelligence and righteousness. <laughs> what a fake, phony, fraudulent, fagazi hypocrite he is. When he was riding high in the saddle as governor in the executive mansion uh, up in Albany, uh, he would always speak softly but carry a big baseball bat, never wield it himself. But he would have his uh, wartime consulary, Joe Pococo, born and raised in Rockland County, went to Wagner College on the hill in Staten Island, and then got recruited at the time that Mario Facha Bruta Como was the uh, governor, and uh, Andrew Evilize Como was his consulary and campaign manager. And they recruited this guy, Pococo, and Mario uh, turned him into quite the wartime consulary. In fact, at his... Uh, his uh, funeral mass <clears throat> at Loyola Church uh, in Manhattan. Andrew Evilize Como said, hey, Joe Pococo was a, a son closer to Mario Fachabruta Como than I was. And he always said, uh, never his father, never daddy, always just Mario. Oh, yeah. And it'd be uh, Joe Pococo would do the walk and talk. He'd come over, talk with you. Want to be out of the way of the FBI forever busting Italians in case they were taking any photographs. And he would tell you, look, uh, we want to try to convince you according to the ideology of Andrew Cuomo. Try to convince you first. Then if they couldn't convince you, they try to bribe you. Okay. What kind of spending do you need in your district? 
you know, what 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 can we do for you in your district? Uh, something that you desperately need that we could get allotments for. And then if you couldn't be bribed, Joe Pacoco would take you over to his muscle car, because like Andrew Evilized Cuomo, he was into muscle cars, GTOs. He would open up the trunk of his car and said, I never played a game of baseball in my life, but I have all these Louisville sluggers, and I'll make your kneecap sing and ring unless you do it the Cuomo way. That's why you could speak softly. You didn't have to speak loudly. Well, you ranted and raved. You went on and on and on that bully pulpit before the Hispanic clergy coalition of the Reverend Ruben Diaz Sr. He talked about extremists in the Democratic Party. We now see that with the Democratic Party. We see extremists dictating radical positions in many ways which are driving the Democratic Party. You know, I'm hoping that many of you who listen uh, to this weekend show, its name still to be determined ever since Frank Morano had his hissy fit and decided, oh, you can't call yourself the weekend edition of The Other Side of Midnight. But those of you who can, you should. Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5. Please listen religiously all four hours a day, five days a week. That's 20 hours of Frank Morano. Because I need you to rat him out. Uh, I can't listen all that time. I can't even sometimes listen to the podcast. I listen to some of the broadcasts. But I'm out now with the Guardian Angels patrolling the subways because things have gotten actually worse in the subways under uh, Mayor Eric Adams, believe it or not, than they were during any of the eight weeks of the eight years of comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope. By the way, he's still living at the Marriott Hotel in the penthouse uh, section of the Marriott downtown Brooklyn, while supposedly his home is getting uh, uh, rehabbed on 7th Avenue and 11th Street in the heart of Park Slope. I want to know who's paying that bill for him and his wife staying in the penthouse section of the Marriott Hotel downtown near Fulton Street. If you happen to know, please give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And let's go to the phones right now. And it's uh, Junior who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Junior. Well, good morning there, uh, Curtis. Um. I tried to get through with no avail last weekend because, and excuse me, I'm, i i got to change hands. I'm having problems with my left arm. But uh, Frank really slammed you prior to the week to last week, and I tried, like I say, with no avail all last weekend to get through because he was calling you out by name and he was slamming you. You, you made these details denunciation segment where he denounced you two weeks in a row and I wanted to tell you what he had said maybe eat a little parmesan cheese <laughs> and rat him out yes, yes please hold the line after I do because I need to tell you why I had no choice but to call children's services on Frank and his wife oh my god so if you could bear with me oh, yeah, uh, I will but it's it's first good of all, it's good that you listen to the show and like I urge everyone you got to listen uh, 4 hours every morning 5 days a week good 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 when me and Rusty iron out uh I actually leave the radio on until I get back but uh yeah, 
I just thought it was a terrible thing what he did. Uh, he accused you of having a little petty larceny in you because uh, he said he had a paper notebook for years. They paid 19 cents for in his locker, and he never locked it, and it never he never had a problem. He keeps notes about future shows and whatnot in it. And he said he just thought it was kind of ironic that when Curtis, and he called it your entourage, you know, your technicians use on the weekends. Yes, like Bruce and uh, mm. Carmelo Carmelita. I keep forgetting her name, but go ahead. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> anyway, he said he just seems a little odd that everything was fine. And when you guys came in in the weekend, his paper notebook disappeared. Ooh. And he also accused you of taking a uh, after midnight travel mug. <laughs> so, hey, in the second week, I think it was yesterday morning. Good. This is he said good. I have to re-denounce the weekend crew. He said uh, he said we used to have guests come in and and take their picture with that travel mug. And he said just makes me sick. He said that they would stoop so low as to take that travel mug along with my paper notebook. But um, yeah, he's been slamming you pretty good for a couple of weeks, and but you see, this I had is to laugh. So this is why yesterday I, I w- some guy uh, come in and just he he jumped all over Frank, and Frank took it emotionally bad. And he said, I'm going to start this call and tell you, Marano. He said, you're not going to bully me like you did everybody else. Yes, yes. And Frank, Frank says, who did I bully, you know? And <laughs> they, they went back and forth. Oh, but, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yep. Well, I'm glad you're bearing with me. I got to tell you, I had no choice but to call Children's Services oh. on Frank and his wife. Oh, God. Oh, uh, God. What, what, what possibly did he do to deserve that? Well, I seen him about a half a block back, and he threw a white, I call them food town bags, or the little grocery bags <laughs> with the two white handle ties, you know. Food <laughs> And it, it came all the way across the street, so uh, I want to say about an hour later when me and Rusty came up that side, I got real curious. <laughs> I said, what in the world's in this bag, you know, and I took the end of my walking stick and uh, I moved the top hole over a little and all the way around the waist, it said, depends, depends, depends. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, uh, they're putting depends on that baby now. And uh, he's gotten so big and so about 8.05 that morning, I called Children's Services. Oh. And I said, uh, she said, what's your concern? And I said, if this little baby Carmine has a health scare, I said, I'll never forgive myself. Yes. I said, I got to yes. tell you what's yes. going on. Oh, I said, yes. I've been monitoring his weight through doctor checkups and, and the weekend host and I said, in my mind, he's now between 34 and 35 pounds, and he's only three and a half months old. And I said, I I just, I got to tell you what's going on, because, if, like I say, if he had a health scare, I'd never forgive myself. So, Well, I just want to commend you, Junior. I want to commend so many other listeners out there 
for listening. Uh, I know, I know it's a strain. It's at a time of the morning where generally you might go to sleep, but you drink a few Red Bulls, you know, you take a, you take uh, as much caffeine as possible to stay uh, awake from one in the morning to five, five days a week, Monday through Friday. And please take meticulous notes and then call me about these kinds of things. It's very important. But it's got to be five days a week, four hours each morning. It's so important because I wish I could. I just can't, though. Uh, so I got to be out there on patrol. Things have gotten so bad in the subways. Anyway, let's go to Carol in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol. Hey there, Curtis. How are you? Your show should be called Curtis because uh, Oprah calls her show after herself, Donahue. And uh, the only other Curtis I know is Curtis Mayfield. <laughs> I've never heard of any other Curtis. Well, there's uh, uh, General Curtis LeMay, uh, who actually oh, ran that. as a vice president candidate for George Wallace. Uh, he was uh, bombing into uh, uh, the Stone Age. That was the uh, line used by uh, General that Curtis LeMay. That was a while ago. That yeah. was a while ago for yeah. me. But, but most, um, most Curtises, Carol, most people whose parents give them the name Curtis, tend to be African-American. There's very few white yes. people who are called uh, Curtis. But I think that would be a fantastic name for your show. And I was calling, I, I don't know how familiar you are with St. Peter's, the Peacock. Oh. I am so pleased for them because I took classes there. I took summer courses at St. Peter's. I actually went to Pace University in New York. But uh, uh, they had the best teachers there, the best professors. And, you know, they took us to see the trail with Jeremy Irons and Ben Kingsley. I think the actress's name was Patricia Hodge. I, that was one of the best plays I ever saw. Wow. And that's uh, St. Peter's University there in Jersey City. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. The same uh, the same miracle basketball team that just beat Kentucky in the yep. NCAA uh, Sweet 16. Yeah. But, you know, they've always had a good basketball team. They're just not as good as they are now. <laughs> yeah, well, you think of uh, New Jersey this year. You think of Seton Hall. They've really been good the last few years. And then yeah. Rutgers, Rutgers, which has been surprisingly good. And then uh, naturally mm-hmm. St. Peter's upsetting Kentucky, which was rated number two. That's right. But, you know, there was, there's one famous NBA player that played for St. Peter's. And for the life of me, I cannot remember his name. Maybe one of your uh, listeners knows who he is. But I, I know that he did play for the NBA. Wow. Now, that's great. Yeah, the trivia, I, I can't seem to recall. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Carol there, New Jersey, herself having gone to St. Peter's uh, College. Jesuit College, just like the high school there in Jersey City. Yeah. Who yep. was a famous basketball player, went into the NBA, who graduated out of the ranks of St. Peter's University. Uh, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Well, the reason I know so much about St. Peter's, uh, more the high school than the college in Jersey City, is 
when the uh, Jesuits uh, shined their boots on my backside and kicked me out of Brooklyn Prep in my senior year, and I never looked back. Uh, that school closed that same year. That was its final year. The Jesuits decided in New York City that they would only keep open Fordham Prep, uh, Xavier, uh, near 14th Street and 6th Avenue, and uh, uh, naturally Regis, which was for all the brainiacs. They didn't have a football team. I respect no uh, high schools that don't have a uh, smash-mouth football team. But a lot of those Jesuits, uh, the brothers and the priests, were either transferred to Xavier or to St. Peter's in Jersey City. So that's how I know quite a bit about that, Carol. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've been asking many trivia questions, and I notice uh, people uh, you seem to have a little brain fog today. We haven't had one, uh, Carmela, Carmita, whatever her name is. Well, what is your name again? Uh, our phone screen, I always forget. Camellia. We haven't had any people yet who've won the Curtis Lee will booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. We're so cheap, we throw nickels around like manhole covers. And again, if you happen to get the right guess, uh, you'll get some of my precious belly button lint. We will hermetically seal it in an envelope and mail it to your COD, cash on delivery, your cash, not ours. And send you a WABC hat that says the Curtis Lewis Show and has like a little sidebar that says Guardian Angels, which uh, you can multitask with. If anybody tries to mug you or carjack you, just flash that hat and let them know, hey, Curtis Slew and the Guardian Angels will hit you so hard, your mother, if you have one, will feel the vibrations. You see, now that's a that's a real tchotchke. 1-800-848-9222. We've asked a whole panoply of questions. The most recent one before, which, which star graduated St. Peter's College and went on to the NBA? Uh, but who was the mayor of Woodbridge, New Jersey uh, for a while? before he went on to become governor of New Jersey. And this is when uh, the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, would have his, uh, uh, would do his uh, radio shows from the uh, Rio Diner there. Hundreds of people would come right there in the heart of Woodbridge, New Jersey. Let's go to Steve in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hello, Curtis. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. I finally got you again. Yes, yes. Okay, listen, is, is this Corzine? No, 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 no. John Corzine, remember, the chipmunk, the guy who never shaved that stupid beard on his face, uh, was a graduate like so many uh, governors in New Jersey and elected officials from Goldmine Sachs. But no, he was not from Woodbridge, New Jersey. Oh, no, because I uh, I met that guy already. We spent a few nights together. Don't, don't get it the wrong way. It's around the corner from... Uh, the hotel where John Lennon used to uh, live or, uh, uh, at the time. Oh, you mean not the hotel. You mean the Dakota. The 72nd. Right, the Dakota, yeah. right before Central Park West. Uh, so you actually uh, were in the company of uh, chipmunk face uh, John Corzine? Oh, yeah. I took a picture with him and everything. Now that makes, let me see, that makes Scott Stringer, you, I got to get what's his name together here now. What's his name? He's playing Guglielmo over there. Yeah. Because I was in, I was in that place twice, knowing exactly where I was going. As soon as you went in the side door, when you turn to the right, there's a there's like a bar thing there. Yep. I sat there. You want a drink? Nope. That one was to the right. Wait here for a minute. I go in. I knew exactly. I said, "Oh boy, oh boy, this is going to be something to talk about later on." 
Wow. You know? So John Corzine, uh, what kind of a guy was he? He was like he had the beard, he had the glasses. He uh, he he was a volunteer at the time. Oh. Okay. See, every time I call you, I try to get you know I get jet lag. I get I get the effect. What is it? The chef of the future effect. <laughs> and I get like Horshack later. <laughs> you know, well, I could I would have should have said that or whatever. I did this. I messed up the whole thing. But you know. I always try to, like, get you to guess who this is talking to you. <laughs> ah, but, Steve, let me tell you something, Steve. Uh, uh, John Corzine, CEO, former CEO of Goldmine Sachs, the biggest crooks in the world. That's why I call them Goldmine Sachs. They'll sell you stock, and then they'll bet against you. Imagine, they screw their own... Uh, their own. Uh, I remember that. I remember that. That's why I was scared to uh, get into any anything with the, uh, that stuff. Yeah, they bet against. Always afraid. They bet against their own customers, so they double deal you. Uh, so he was CEO of Goldmine Sachs. Then remember, he ran for the governorship in New Jersey and basically bought the position at Drum Thwack at the governor's mansion outside of Princeton. Uh, did a lousy job oh. as governor, and then uh, it was Shamu. El Jefe, Chris Christie, who left as U.S. attorney uh, in Newark, got a slow start in running. He was mentored by my Cumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, himself a former U.S. prosecutor, Southern District in New York. And uh, he came out of nowhere to beat John Corzine, who just tried to buy the election. In fact, to show you how corrupt John Corzine was, he hired guys, infamous guys. He went to all the shelters, not him personally, but his staff. And they said, I'll tell you what. We'll give you money. We'll bust you over the Ben Franklin Bridge into Campton, uh, give you a nice lunch, and you'll vote for John Corzine, which they did. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That's good and all, but that's outside of New York, so you lost me for a minute. But, but thank you anyway. This thing with, with um, Cuomo, okay, he married into a, 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 a family called the Shaughnessy's, which was friends with my aunt. Of Fifteen kids, they came from Maryland, okay? And 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 one of the Shaughnessy's married into that Cuomo family a while ago, and I didn't know he lived up in Jamaica Estates. Wow, that's something else, huh? Yeah, well, actually, Hollisswood. He lived right next to it. Uh, the Trump family was in Jamaica Estates, uh, Briarwood, Hollisswood, that whole area there. So uh, they they were very supportive of one another. The Cuomos and the Trumps uh, were like two peas in a pod, a soup in a sandwich, a horse in a carriage. Yeah, they, they were friends with my aunt right around the corner. They lived two doors down across the street from the Regis, two two doors over, right there. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so you right see, around the corner. You see that? Look how many people you, you've met just by being over at the Dakota on West 72nd Street off of Central Park West. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's where it was, huh? Yeah, oh. yeah, see, see, I had a... I had to remind Steve, he was a little stung guy. You know, as he said, it's like a Rorschach test sometimes, talking with Steve. You got to figure out who he, who he is and where he was and under what circumstances he sat down in a gin mill and he was knocking back some, uh, some whiskey or rye or vodka. Straight, no ice. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Bob calling from Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bob. Curtis, we talked about me DJing in Newark. You told me about Zanzibar. You oh. sent me a hat. Thanks for the hat. 
Oh, that's right. You're the DJ from Newark who uh, spins uh, electronic dance music, right? Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, I want to hear more about what you're doing for the cat. I uh, I do rescues for greyhounds, so that's what I want to hear about. Cats. All right. Well, let me uh, before we talk about cats, let me tell you my story at a greyhound track in Orlando. This is before they started closing all the Greyhound tracks in Florida. It used to be you get them in uh, Central Florida, Northern Florida, up in Tampa. There was a Greyhound track. Miami, there was a Greyhound track. South Beach. Now, I believe they're all closed. But it was, uh, I forget, Super Bowl in Tampa. And most of us were staying over in Orlando because they didn't have enough hotel space in Tampa. I think it was the time that the Giants got crushed crushed by the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, crazy man uh, Lewis, who was the middle linebacker, all everything, who then ended up uh, partying in Atlanta and Buckeye and stabbing up those folks, and then (laughs) all of a sudden (laughs) beat the rap. I got to tell you, there were all these concrete seats, concrete seats. Uh, You had the three-eyed cousin fornicators from the trailer park and all these Jamaicans. These Jamaicans were going wild. They had gold teeth, gold jewelry. They were doing simulcasts while the dogs were running. So me and Johnny Legit, we go down to the track, and they walk the dogs around first, the greyhound dogs. And so after the first race, they all run around. (laughs) And the greyhounds, they're chasing this uh, robotic rabbit. And then as soon as they pass the finish line, they all go crashing into the net. And then they get uh, removed from the net, and they're taken to the back, and the next race is ready to start. And they walk the dogs first. You get to see the dogs before you bet on them. And I noticed that they weren't new dogs. They were the same dogs. They just changed numbers on them. And the guys who were walking the dogs around the track looked like they had just come out of Stark, uh, the prison in northern Florida. So I was getting on them. They were wearing do-rags. And then this guard comes up to me, this private security officer. He must have been like 98 years old. Says to me, uh, Curtis, you do great work as leader of the Guardian Angels, but if you keep harassing the dog walkers, I'm going to have to throw you out of the track. I said, you in what army? I almost started a riot in the track. The Jamaicans came around. They started screaming words I couldn't understand. They had the Jiffy Pop hats on, uh, Rastafari, and then the hillbillies down there. Did you did you ever go to a did you ever go to a, a Greyhound track, Bob? I have had two greyhounds, and I never have, and I I, I couldn't. Apparently, I, I, I people are very pro or against it. They say they go to the tracks, and they make sure they're taken care of. Every greyhound I've ever had has been in unbelievable shape. They just can't race, and. I don't want to support it if they're uh, abused and neglected, but they go there and they say they're fine. And and uh, every greyhound I've ever had has been very well taken care of. Well, now what do you what do you what do you like about the breed, the greyhound breed? Because it is obviously very unique. Those dogs. Um, they're very laid back. They are so laid back and chilled out. I'll sit there and stare at him from a couch. They're very mellow. And they 
aren't good with kids. They're such unbelievable dogs. That's the only breed I would ever, ever take. Bob, uh, so Bob, how, how expensive is it to uh, care for a greyhound in terms of the food? Or no, they're so healthy because when they're raced, they're they're like an athlete. They are so well. They're they're unbelievable dogs. I've never had an issue with them. They will. They're the unbelievable dogs. I, I everybody says. It's an acquired taste, though, because they are so chilled. People want puppies and want to play with. Well, I will tell tell you this, Bob. There are a lot of folks out there I know who have rescued uh, greyhounds. Uh, I don't think there's a greyhound track left open in the United States. I stand to be corrected on that. If anybody happens to know where a greyhound dog track is, I remember seeing a Greyhound dog track in uh, South Beach, Miami. That's closed. Orlando, that's closed. I think North Tampa, that's closed. I'm wondering uh, if there are any other Greyhound racetracks that are still active anywhere in the territorial United States. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Bob in Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bob. Curtis, you're looking at the name Jim McGreevy. Excellent. Yes, uh, you couldn't be more hopelessly right. He had originally been the mayor of Woodbridge, New Jersey. Uh, And he became governor, and then he got ousted because he was another guy that was doing the wrong thing. Yeah, well, uh, there was a lot of corruption uh, in that administration. No, this was more of a personal level. It was really nothing to do with corruption in New Jersey. He was... um, talking to the wrong people on the phones and things like that. Uh, uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. No, no, to- totally understood. Although he was the golden guy at that point. He was the golden guy. Man, they were going to Trenton, the lobbyists, whining, dining, and getting pocket lined. There's a lot of money at that time. And who was the number one fu- fundraiser? For Jim McGreevy, who was the number one fundraiser for Jim McGreevy when he was governor of the state of New Jersey. He became infamous, ended up going to uh, federal prison, not for that. Uh, And who was his mentor uh, who had represented Elizabeth, New Jersey in the uh, state legislature in Trenton? So he had the number one fundraiser that enabled him to become governor, Jim McGreevy. And who was his mentor who uh, sort of trained him in uh, the legislative procedures in Trenton that enabled him to work his way into the governorship. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So much to talk about. So much to do. We're still in search of another name because Frank Morano had a hissy fit and decided, oh, I only want my show to be called The Other Side of Midnight, and I don't want to have, oh, The Other Side of Midnight, the weekend edition. So we continue on. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. 
I forgot all about Andrew Evilage Cuomo and his trip to the uh, Bronx Clergy Hispanic Coalition led by uh, the Reverend Ruben Diaz Sr. How politics makes for such strange bedfellows. Ruben uh, Diaz Sr., definitely considered by many to be a homophobe, opposed to gay and lesbian marriage, and yet here was Cuomo, the author of the Gay and Lesbian Marriage Bill in Albany. And he was talking about, at his appearance, in his continued attempt to uh, resuscitate his political career, resurrect his political career, and potentially run against crime wave Kathy Hokum, uh, and possibly beat her, if not in a primary, maybe as a third-party candidate. I mean, think about it. Assuming if Cuomo does not run in a Democratic primary for the governorship, it's apparently a slam dunk for uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb to win the Democratic primary against Tom Swazi, uh, the congressman who went to the the right, trying to be uh, the moderate conservative. It's not working so far in the polls. Or Jumani Williams, you know, Mr. Uh, defund the police, defund prisons. Uh, I hate America. Let me do interviews on RTV, Russian TV, because uh, I'd rather be there than here. Uh, He's to the far, far left. He's not going to get much traction. But think of it. Whoever wins the Republican primary, whether it is uh, the Congressman Lee Zeldin from Suffolk County or the person I'm uh, supporting along with his father, uh, Mike Kumbaricic, uh, Rudy Giuliani, I'm working out there to get Andrew Giuliani elected. Then there's um, Rob Astorino, the former Westchester County executive, and uh, Harry Wilson, who's jumped in uh, right before the estate convention in Nassau County and is spending $6 million on a uh, TV buy. In fact, I saw him and his family and some of the uh, people who were gathering signatures uh, on the sidewalks of Fifth Avenue during the St. Patrick's Day Parade. So he's actively out there trying to uh, qualify for the ballot. But imagine if uh, a Republican survives and ends up in the general election against uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb, if Cuomo ran as an independent, he might just be able to sneak through and get reelected governor. Heavens to Betsy, No. But here he was in the heart of the Bronx, a place he would never have ever been caught dead in, the Bronx Hispanic Clergy Coalition. And he's talking about the tail wagging the dog. He's a great Democratic pundit on TV I love to watch because he's funny, James Carville. He says the woke Democrats and what he calls the noisy Democrats are driving this extremism. But there is no doubt that we are now in a place where the tail is wagging the dog. He quotes James Carville, the snake. Usinit. As my grandfather Fidel Bianchino from Andrea and Bari would say, Usinit, which means a snake. James Carville. Always half in the bag. Always half in the bag. Then... uh, He talked about the cancel culture that he says has demonized him and others. One manifestation of the extremism is the so-called cancel culture. Cancel culture. Cancel culture says, if you don't agree with me and my point of view, then you should be canceled. They do it through social media. 
They do it quickly. They do it effectively. They demonize, demonize anyone who doesn't agree with their position. Ah, demonize. We'll see what the next step is on the comeback for Andrew Evilize Cuomo to become governor. At least that's what we think he's running for. A slight, uh, slight possibility, one-on-one against uh, Tish James. To me, that would be the more interesting battle. His inquisitor versus him, who he claims now is a victim of her um, inquisition. Then you have uh, Sharp Sharpie James, uh, having done federal time for corruption. Corrupt right down to the marrow of his bone. He wants to run for mayor again of Newark. Then you have Torres, uh, who did uh, time for corruption, uh, for being a crooked mayor in Patterson. He's out of jail. He wants to run again of mayor of Patterson. It goes on and on. Michael Grimm, a.k.a. Mikey Suits. Remember, he went, did federal time. uh, And he ran for Congress again in that primary against Dan Donovan, which ultimately Dan Donovan lost the general election after beating uh, Mikey Suits. Well, boy, you know, it's amazing that you can't vote in the election if you've done time in most uh, certain circumstances, but you can run for office. Does that make sense? And then you look at the mayor uh, up there in uh, Bridgeport, went away, did federal time, came back, got reelected mayor. I don't think he could vote in the election. So, you know, you know how you go out on the day of election and all the media surrounds the voting booths of the candidates I don't think in those elections, most of them were entitled to vote. one 800 Let's go to David all the way from the heartland of America. What some have called that mistake by that lake. Cleveland, Ohio. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Oh, easy now that mistake stuff, Curtis. We love you, brother. <laughs> yeah, partner. Uh, I was just thinking, uh, I've been listening just a few weeks now, and I really appreciate you, buddy. You really shoot from the hip. And, uh... I thought of a name for you, partner, um, the uh, Late Night Beatdown with Curtis Sliwa. Ooh, I like that. The Late Night Beatdown with Curtis Sliwa. Roger that. Yes, sir. And like I said, it's kind of like impressionistic. Like a lot of the other, you know, you've had some great ideas and such. But, like, that's just like it's, it's what you do, partner. Like, you know, I've listened. Late night radio, like, you know, coast to coast and stuff, and that's just getting totally bought and it's getting really weird with a bunch of truckies and all that. But, like, you're, like, old school late night radio where it's, like, just really just shooting from the hip, like G. Gordon Liddy, you know, bless his heart. And, uh, you know, like that kind of, like, just really, like, that. what you're talking about, the way uh, Winston Churchill learned the concentration camps from the Boer Wars and stuff, like said, that's what you're not hearing nowhere else but right here. And that's a, it's a beatdown. It's a, it's a, it's an intellectual beatdown is what it is, and it, and it, and it needs to be done, and, and bless your heart for doing it. Thank you. Now, which part of Cleveland are you from? Right downtown, West 100th Street. Wow, so you're near Stouffer Square. Oh, partner, that that's public square. That's right at the zero, or, or probably like be like around East Ninth. Uh, yeah, and that that's old Stouffer's Hotel. That's actually not there anymore. I don't believe actually they call it Stouffer's anymore. Uh, isn't that yeah, a partner, isn't yeah. that a casino now? Yes, sir. And that's really doing really good. You know, if you want to go uh, lose a bunch of money there. That that's that they that guy got got that casino going really good. They they everyone loves it down there with that. 
Yeah, well, I have guardian angels in West Cleveland and East Cleveland, but uh, I was invited uh, into Cleveland in the early 80s by then Congressman Ron Model from nearby Parma. And Parma, which is like the uh, pierogi capital of the world. I mean, they they make more pierogies there than anywhere in the world, including uh, in Poland. But he wanted to hang people right there uh, in Stouffer Square. He, he he said, hey, if they commit murder, we'll put up a gallows right in Stouffer Square. We'll hang them, and it'll set an example for everyone. So you can imagine he had invited me to come in and start the Guardian Angels. And, boy, do they have problems, especially East Cleveland. And reporters were like, well, do you agree with Congressman Ron Model that, that, that you should be, that if you're a murderer, you should be hung in Stouffer Square there, uh, uh, you know, hung in public? Wow, that, that Ron Model, what a piece of work he was. Yeah, he's an outstanding uh, representative. They actually named Model Field for uh, uh, Cuyahoga Community College West, the uh, baseball field after him. I actually played baseball there. Outstanding representative, uh, really hands-on. And, yeah, Curtis, you know, fear is a stronger emotion than love. And, and I think, you know, like uh, what George Clinton always said, they more, make more profit trying to stop it. So that's what law enforcement is all about. And, you know, we, you know, in the Wild West, even though, like, on the movies it looks all violent and stuff, there was way less crime statistically than what you'd think. I mean, because everyone was armed and, and they were afraid. Like, they were afraid to get plugged, you know. Uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, – if you can get the fear into people, the you know that's really what stops crime. I hate to say it, and it's like the old saying: uh, you know, peace sells, but you know, nothing brings peace more than the cannon. And it's, you know, it's like, it, 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 however you're going to do it to get the public afraid again, you know, afraid of authority. And you know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. You know, all these churches they teach, oh, love God, love each other. Well, we got to get back to being afraid of God. You know, like because there is you. You know, hell, hellfire is real, and and you know, what's common is real. Now, and and the, the, now, let me ask you a question, David. Did you uh, quote George Clinton of the Parliament Funkadelics? Well, yes, sir, I did. You heard it right. Now, see, I, I, I noticed I picked up on that. George Clinton of the Parliament Funkin Funkadelics. One of the uh, uh, albums I had of theirs was Maggot Brain. Oh, goodness, yeah. And you know what? That That's a Cleveland guitarist. His name was Eddie Hazel. Uh, now, I think he was born, like, in Philly or whatever, but he was living in Cleveland at the time when he did that. Uh, and he he hung out with, like, I think, like, the Leverts and stuff, like, kind of like that little, like, the, the OJs and stuff were, like, from Columbus. And, there, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Graham was from Cincinnati, the... Uh, so there's a little undercurrent, you know, Cleveland always has kind of like a nitty gritty, like a gritty under, uh, how do you say, like uh, underground, like, you know, we never get the major name artists or whatever, but like I said, that dude, Eddie Hazel, he's the guy that played on that magazine, and they used to always play that uh, at one o'clock in well, the morning and every like, uh, night. I've been there right along Lake Erie there where you have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, sir, brother. Yeah. And that they got the new Beatles exhibit going on now. Uh, you know, uh, Yoko Ono notwithstanding, uh, my dad, no, you know, you know I know Yoko, he, she claims New York or whatever. And bless her, I, I hope she's doing well, too. Her her son, Sean, good dude, man, and it's great how Julian and Sean are starting to get along together again, you know. Uh, you know, but, yeah, sincerely, we pray the best for Yoko, all the best for her health. Well, I know she's the, in town the, the group that I love there, uh, their classic hit was Funk 49 out of Cleveland. 
Oh, that's Joe Walsh. He's the Kent State, or he went to Kent State College. Yeah. Oh, you know what, Joe? He's such an underrated guitarist, man. I tell you what. And you know what? You want to hear a great a bootleg a recording, 1981 a Reunion Arena. Uh, oh, my goodness gracious, when he was just uh, just killing it, you know, kind of before he went sober. I mean, what it is, you know, you got to go sober sometimes. But, man, you know, there is something to be said about the, uh, you know, old rock stars like that when they weren't sober, you know, because I tell you what, when you hear my Davis, like Jiminy Crickets. Uh, yeah, you know, like I said, Curtis, I love you, brother. Like I said, you really you shoot from the hip, brother. I love you, man. And, and uh, oh, yeah, do you love that movie, uh, The Warriors? Isn't that like old school New York? Doesn't it always remind me of old school New York, brother? Yeah, that's a cult classic. In fact, uh, Walsh did a lot of the music uh, for that uh, song. Uh, that came out on February 8th of 1979. Uh, the Guardian Angels came out on February 13th of 1979, and everybody would say to us on the train, Warriors, come out and play! Because they thought we were cast characters in the Warriors. So eventually, after we straightened up the Bronx, I rolled with the Guardian Angels from the Bronx right down to Stillwell Avenue, Coney Island on the D train, and then we took on the crazy homicides, and that's a story for another day. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. theme song for Frank Morano, who this past week uh, has been uh, earning kudos, kudos, kudos from so many in the industry for his back-to-back interviews, first with Roger Stone, and then with his uh, previous business partner, Paul Manafort. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly. They were top-shelf five-star interviews. It may well be that Frank Morano is the best interview here at WABC, although he competes with our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who has scored some incredible interviews. I think both of them are neck and neck. I'm not a good interviewer. I I just like to talk to uh, callers. Uh, But he has perfected that skill so much so, I anticipate a call from BlackRock, CBS, probably they will want him like Anderson Cooper is an occasional uh, contributor to 60 Minutes. And we'll end up using uh, Frank Morano to do interviews uh, on occasion at 60 Minutes. Uh, those interviews were that good with Roger Stone and then followed by Paul Manafort. They made uh, national and international headlines. And then all of a sudden I heard that His interview with Roger Stone caused uh, YouTube uh, to remove WABC uh, from their uh, rotation. That means we were bumped from YouTube. Eh, It won't be permanent. Uh, But for something that Roger Stone had talked about in the interview, I'm not quite sure why 
anything that Roger Stone said or Frank Morano said would even be considered for possible um, suspension for the station. It's YouTube channel. It makes no sense whatsoever, but they made their decision, and that's what it is, and I'm sure we'll be back on board on YouTube uh, within days. And I thought, uh uh-oh, maybe this is going to be a problem with the suits, the mockers, the muckety-mucks, the owners, the operators here at WABC, John and Margot Katsimatidis uh, of Red Apple Media, our parent company. But no, no, they circled the wagons, they rallied around the Murano flag, and they patted him so hard on the back, he's got to go for a chiropractic uh, adjustment uh, probably this weekend. And it is amazing because uh, at some other stations, they might have looked at that in a very different way. Probably would have. One of these huge mega corporations that owns multiple stations, like uh, with Cumulus, who used to own us, or iHeart, where they own so many stations, they forget what stations they actually have. But if all of a sudden a station causes any kind of a, a problem in their eyes, They try to shut down the problem maker. In this case, that has not been the case. So Frank Morano gave, uh, had that interview with uh, Roger Stone. YouTube uh, decided to retaliate by removing us from consideration on their channel. I'm sure that'll get back uh, to where it was uh, soon enough. But he is the golden boy. That's right. He is the golden boy of WABC Talk Radio. So much so that I got the... um, Weekend programming schedule from uh, Bruce, our board operator, tonight. And I looked, okay, two to four, the left versus the right with Curtis Liu and Anthony Weiner in just a few hours. And remember, this is the kind of a business I've always viewed it, that the owners and operators, they give you the microphone one day, you give it back at the end of your shift, and they may not lend it to you the next day or even the same day. It's their prerogative. It's their station. And then I noticed two to four p.m., Okay, that, that's the way it is. That's good. But then 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., the best of the other side of midnight. And this is the guy who had such a hissy fit that now I have to jump through hoops to try to get a new name for what used to be the weekend version of the other side of midnight. We have over 100 entries. Uh, many more have flooded in this evening alone, this early morning hour. And it can continue to do so at one 800 848 that's 1-800-848-WABC. But in standing up to uh, the uh, corporate elite, in standing up to uh, Silicon Valley and all the social networking giants there, whether it's uh, Facebook with uh, WhatsApp or Instagram, uh, you know, Meta, World Peace, whatever they call themselves now, Zuckerberg who, by the way, uh, comes from the Mid-Hudson Valley, or I think uh, up near Beacon. I'm not quite sure. It could be Westchester. I know he's up there. If any of you can correct me, uh, please do so at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All I know about the Zuck is that he still uses Clearasil because he still has acne with billions of dollars. 1-800-848-9222. But he doesn't own... uh, YouTube, and it's YouTube that has decided to throw down the gauntlet, and WABC has not blinked. 
In fact, they've shown solidarity. I heard James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley, on his program that you can listen to every Monday through Friday, 4 to 5, right before John Katzmatidis, the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion he has, uh, come to the forefront and support Frank Morano in this battle uh, of being able to give an interview with a, have an interview with a person without all of a sudden it, you, you're getting penalized, not because you dropped one of the uh, George Carlin seven words that the FCC might fine you and bump you for, but because of something that Roger Stone said that was not a curse word. And so Bo Snardley, uh very admirably carried the Frank Morano flag. Bo can be heard in just a few hours. Uh, he has an expanded three-hour program now from 7 to 10 in the morning and has earned every one of those minutes. So yet uh, everybody here, at times we're at odds, but now we are all supporting Frank Morano. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, in your own uh, listening ears, because many of you, if you didn't hear... Uh, the exclusive interview that Frank Morano had with Roger Stone followed quickly back-to-back, belly-to-belly with uh, his old partner in business, uh, Paul Manafort. You can always catch it, naturally, at uh, wabcradio.com. You get all the podcasts. But these two, uh, I mean, they're just lit up because a lot of people all over the world, oh, Roger Stone, wow, full interview. Oh, Paul Manafort, full interview, five-star top-shelf rating so far. 1-800-848-9222. Is YouTube uh, correct in taking this politically correct stance in canceling WABC, a.k.a. Frank Morano? Or is management here and ownership uh, rightfully standing up to uh, the monsters from Silicon Valley? We we'll basically want to uh, have you check uh, freedom of speech at the door. Part of that cancel culture. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Um, I heard uh, both interviews. I was especially intrigued by Roger Stone. I'd never met Paul Manafort, although he's had quite the life himself in and out of political circles, including the Ukraine. But I remember Roger Stone's candidate versus uh, Andrew Evelines Cuomo. By the way, in just 24 hours, we'll be talking about the rebirth, the resurrection of the uh, the son, Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo II. As he appeared with Ruben Diaz Sr. and the Hispanic uh, Clergy Coalition, very conservative, very right-wing, called homophobic uh, by many, and not necessarily your average uh, Democrat. And boy, politics really makes strange bedfellows, because here it was, Andrew Evilize Cuomo was the author of the gay marriage bill. He's the reason that there is uh, legal gay marriage in the state of New York. Being invited to speak by the guy most associated with being anti-gay marriage, former elected official both of the city council and the state legislature, uh, Ruben Diaz Sr. Uh, we'll be talking about that in about 24, 24 hours. But I remember, and I think, I'm thinking back, and hopefully I'm correct in all of this, it was Hofstra University. You know, it was not the uh, Trump debate with Hillary. I was there for that. Uh, I was not there for the gubernatorial debate, which was a circus. I'll never forget that. I think it was 2010. 
<laughs> and it's because Andrew Evilized Cuomo wanted it that way by allowing all the third party candidates to participate in the debate, even though eventually he went out of his way to try to get rid of the Working Families Party. How dare they allow Cynthia Nixon to challenge me? I'll get you, my little pretties. And knocked everybody else off except the Working Families Party that became more powerful in the Conservative Party. But anyway, I digress. That was the year that the insane in the brain Republican conservative candidate Carl Palladino, who also had a bullhorn and a bat out of Erie County, Buffalo, was running. And this guy was totally insane. I saw him out on the campaign trail. He was in Howard Beach for the annual Columbus Day Parade, which they don't have any longer, I think, because when I was there, nobody wanted a parade. They said, if he's parading, we're not parading, because that's mob central. And then my very dear friend uh, over the years, Vito Antifermo, the great welterweight champion who uh, actually uh, had a house in Canarsie, not far from where I grew up, came to my aid and said, look, uh, if you're not going to have Curtis on the Daily News float, then I'm leaving too. And hey, Vito Antifermo, I mean, doesn't get any better than that. But I noticed they haven't had any uh, Columbus Day parades in Howard Beach since. So Carl Palladino was at that parade in 2010. He walks into a pizza shop there on Course Bay Boulevard, gets into this big argument. I mean, a massive argument, because the guy's so psychotic. He's so out of control. And then he participates in this debate at Hofstra. And Roger Stone's candidate was there, the former madam, Christian Davis. And I believe that they had created the line that got enough signatures to qualify legally the anti-prohibition party, as opposed to the prohibition party, which had been started so many years before, when uh, it would take you three days to get up enough moisture in your mouth to spit. That's when America was dry. They had the prohibition, although they have a prohibition party now. It's of uh, little consequence. So you had Kristen Davis who was the Roger Stone candidate for governor. She was performing in a debate on the stage. I remember the evil one, Charles Barron. I hate all white people, and I hate anyone wearing blue who's NYPD, but I love you if you're equipped. Charles Barron, uh, I think it was the Freedom Party line. And then there was the perpetual Green Party candidate out of Syracuse, Howie Hawkins. It was a libertarian, I I don't remember who the Libertarian was. Hey, uh, if anybody remember who the Libertarian candidate for governor was in 2010 on that stage in Hofstra, uh, please give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABT. WABC. And the guy who stole the show, remember, he had his moment in that race with his rent-is-too-damn-high-to-pay party, Jimmy McMillan, who had that handlebar mustache, uh, Claim he had been a former boxer and would hit you so hard your mother would feel the vibrations. Remember that? And like halfway through the debate, halfway through the debate, Carl Palladino had to go to the men's room. You know, I guess uh, he was having some prostate issues or whatever. But, you know, when you have that, you got to go to the bathroom. He went to the bathroom and I think he locked himself in. <laughs> And he was, like, missing in action for about 10 minutes on the stage. Hey, what happened to Carl? But again, that was uh, Roger Stone Engineer. Imagine having a madam running for governor of the state of New York actually debating. She actually did the best job in debating Andrew Evil Cuomo. 
<laughs> and that was that was that was the trickster himself, Roger Stone. By the way, Roger Stone was also Al Slim Shady Sharpton's campaign manager when he ran for the presidency of the United States on the Democratic Party line. Yeah, that's right, in the Democratic primary. In fact, he prepared the application for the federal matching funds. Where did that money go? Got a staff for Alstom Shady Sharpton. <laughs> and then when Sharpton was confronted, he said, well, didn't Bill Clinton have Dick Morris? He was using Stone's credit card to fund the National Action Network. And if I remember correctly, the fixer, the one who had hooked up Al Slim Shady Sharpton and Roger Stone, was the guy, the comedian, the, I don't know what the hell he is. He claims that he would do impressions with Fred Dicker at his radio station up in uh, Albany. He used to be the columnist in the New York Post that all of Albany feared. Randy Critical was did the shirach that got Roger Stone together in a room at Gallagher's, the steakhouse, if I remember correctly, Without Slim Shady Sharpton, and yes, Hank Scheinkoff, uh, the pay-for-play Democratic uh, advisor and consultant. And that was all Randy Critical, who eventually gave testimony in this recent case against Roger Stone, claiming, Roger threatened to kill me and kill my little doggy. Garbage. Garbage. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Bob, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. All right, Curtis. I think we got a slogan for you. I'm trying to say it with a little pizzazz. Finally, the weekend can begin with the king of the airwaves, Curtis Sliwa. Wow, that's not bad, Bob. Which part of New Jersey are you calling from? We're calling from New Brunswick. New Brunswick. Okay, Rutgers University. I feel it in the marrow of my bone. All right. You know, that that has a little Woodbridge, New Jersey feel to it, a little bit of King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant. Can you repeat that again? All right. I'll just say it or put a little pizzazz with it. Yes, 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 please. All right. Finally, the weekend can begin with the king of the airwaves, Curtis Sliwa. Wow. Our first show should be at the Rio Diner where Bob Grant held many a show. <laughs> Hot. Hot. You couldn't. There, there was no room in the entire town of Woodbridge, New Jersey. And did you happen to know who the mayor at one time of Woodbridge, New Jersey was, Bob? Negative. I'm really from Bayonne. I've only been out this way for about 15 years. Uh, Hudson County, Bayonne, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Standard Oil Company, now where all the cruise lines come in. Bayonne, the gateway to the world. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, if you happen to know who at one time, who the mayor of Woodbridge, New Jersey was, went on to become governor of the state of New Jersey. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. That was good. That was good, Bob. Bob very much had that feeling on the time that Bob Grant, the king of talk, was the dominating broadcaster of all talk radio hosts. I don't care who they are. And again, many would say, nah, nah. nah. Wait, are you kidding? Bill O'Reilly, who's on with us now, he tells you he grew up listening to Bob Grant. Out there... uh Where is it? In Levittown. Levittown, Long Island. 
Uh, the Rock Ribbed All-American Conservative Voice of Reason from Franklin Square, Long Island. Sean Hannity said he grew up listening to Bob Grant. Uh, so did Howard Stern, Mark Levin, obviously Curtis Slewa, Frank Morano. We can go down. Brian Whitman. So many. So many. And Jay Diamond. Uh, uh, so many of the great uh, talk radio hosts and hostesses. Oh, wow. Classic. one 800 wabc uh, let's go to Pamela's calling from Central New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here, Pamela. Uh, good evening. I think I have a name for your show. Um, it's a play on your last name, the English version, Plum. And it comes from uh, a tool that uh, house people use when they work on their house or construction workers. They're very uh, familiar with this word. It's a tool called a plumb line, P-L-U-M-B, plumb line. It's for drawing straight lines and for constructing things. And since you construct stories, you can call it the plumb line with Curtis Lewa. Wow. Not only that, but if you take it's P-L-U-M-B, right? Correct. Well, if we just take the B off temporarily, that's what my last name means in Polish. Shliva, that's the way it's pronounced. And in Ukrainian and in Russian, it means plum. Right, right. And then you can say... Some of my stories aren't worth a plum nickel. <laughs> this is very good. Pamela, this is very creative here. I like this. Can I add this to the, my list of now more than 100 suggestions? Absolutely. Yeah, and Pamela, they've come in all kinds of ways. They've been texted to me, emailed to me. They've come into WABCradio.com, the uh, website that we have for all of our station activities. Uh, I've heard from people in the streets uh, on the number four train uh, last night. Heard from a lot of people uh, up in Woodlawn, especially where they're having their uh, St. Patrick's Day parade uh, off McLean. That's like Little Dublin, and they were all giving me suggestions. This is this has become quite the thing, and I have to take my uh, my little felt pen out here, my little sharpie pen, my paper made pen, and I got to be like Jimmy Olsen, the Cub reporter, and write them all down. These are really good suggestions, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And you, you know, you like to create stories. So a plumb line creates, it's a chalk line. It's, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a, it's like a roll of tape. You put chalk, colored chalk in it and you pull a string out and then you flick it and it draws a line so you can create, you know, uh, you know, wood construction, you know, set boards, right. You know, it's for measurement. Yeah, no, no. My father had that. Uh, he was a uh, master craftsman. In addition to being a merchant seaman, my uh, grandfather, Anton, on the Polish side, uh, trained him in that, uh, and they would construct prefabricated homes uh, in barns in the winter in Illinois and then transport them to Wisconsin and to Iowa in the summer. So uh, he worked with my grandfather and his uh, brothers, Leonard, Smitty, and Ernie. All of them, all of them became master carpenters. I remember that plumb line. I remember it was right in the basement. I remember it in Lockport, Illinois, which is where the Sliwa compound was after they moved from the south side of Chicago, 46 and Rockwell. I saw them there. So, yeah, I'm going to utilize that, Pam. Oh, great, great. Very good. Well, very thank good. you. Thank I'm you. glad I could be helpful. Yeah. I like doing stuff like that. Oh, it's very, <laughs> very helpful. Uh, we now have uh, 124 suggestions. All of this came about because Frank Morano had a hissy fit. Uh, 
I'm the other side of midnight. There's no other other side of midnight. Not the weekend uh, uh, other side of midnight. So now we have to change the name. But I have a feeling we're going to come up with a much better name as a result. 1-800-848-9222. Speaking of Roger Stone and that interview that Frank Morano did, that five-star stellar interview with him that caused YouTube to get all bent out of shape and pull. Pull WABC from their uh, their channel. I'm sure we'll be back on soon because of that interview. But Roger Stone, the dirty trickster. Boy, they had that documentary uh, on. I actually sat and I was interviewed for that documentary. And I got left on the cutting room floor. I had some of the best lines for Roger Stone. There was a time uh, we had a sit-down. I think it was Frank Morano, myself, maybe one other person, and Roger Stone at the old Statler Grill which was part of the Hotel Pennsylvania. That's when I was broadcasting at AM 970. Uh, the answer, what a schmuck, what a putz I was. Left WABC because I wanted to do morning drive. And they said, tough noogies, we got Imus in the morning. We don't need you to do morning drive. So they fired Ron Kuby. They kept me at night. They syndicated me. And no, what did I decide? I got to do morning drive. So I get hired by AM 970, The Answer, and I did morning drive, and then I did afternoon drive, morning drive over in Hackensack, New Jersey. No, Hasbrook Heights. Oh, God, that's a placebo city. I'll tell you that story one time. And then I'd have to take the Port Authority bus from there all the way into uh, the Port Authority and then walk down to the Hotel Pennsylvania, which is uh, either being demolished at this moment or being reconstructed. That's like the worst hotel. You might as well have called that a no-tell motel. Uh, rats, rodents, uh, chipped paint. Oh, God, it was such a horrible place. And I did uh, the afternoon drive time show in the window of the Hotel Pennsylvania. Some of you must have seen me there. First it was with the uh, attorney, Jeffrey Lakeman, and then with uh, Governor David Patterson. That's where he met my wife, Mary, at that time. And I said, hey, take my wife. And he did. <laughs> and I got to tell you, in all the, going back and forth doing two shows a day, Monday through Friday, a.m. drive, p.m. drive. Uh, lucky if like two people had ever listened to that show. And then uh, once a week, we would do a show in the window of the Statler Grill, which is right on 33rd between uh, 7th Avenue and 6th Avenue. And it, it was like, phew. And I remember Roger Stone came there. We had a dinner. And he ordered a steak. I forget what kind. Tenderloin steak. It was a bit, one of these big, like, $100 steak jobs. I don't know. I think I paid for it. A very unusual. I paid for the dinner. And he's had like half the steak left, and he took a doggy bag home. I said, he was the guy totally GQ'd out, right? totally suited out, and he took a doggy bag home. This Roger Stone took a doggy bag home with him. And I said, this is the uh, dirty trickster that everyone is intrigued about. I think at that point he was uh, making uh, threatening phone calls to Elliot Spitz's dad and claiming it wasn't him and you would listen to the calls. Roger, that's you, right? No, no, it's not me. Roger, that's you, right? No, no, it's not me. What did he tell me at that dinner? That he drinks four triple espressos a day? Four triple espressos? 
This guy hasn't been stroked out. And then remember that perv at CNN. He's back on the air. Remember he was uh, pleasurizing himself on that Zoom call during the lockdown and pandemic in one of their meetings. Uh, Jeffrey Tubin, right? Jeffrey Tubin, right? And I think uh, <laughs> Roger Stone took him to a swingers club, the Miami Velvet, and did an interview him with uh, an interview with him there, Jeffrey Tubin. Oh, this guy is a real piece of work. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Barbara, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bob. Let's see if we can go to Barbara. Hello? Yes, Barbara. Hi, I have an idea for a show title. It's going to be good, right, Barbara? I don't know. Can, we put, can, can, we, can we put neon lights around it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Let me, let me offer right, it to you. New York's Guardian Nightlight. Curtis Lewa till dawn. Ooh, New York's Guardian Nightlight. Curtis Lewa till dawn. When I was younger, I loved the nightlife like uh, our mayor now, Eric Adams. Out of town, Adams says he loves the nightlife. I love the nightlife after uh, closing up the Mickey D's up in uh, the Bronx that I was a night manager of and then hitting the clubs. So I like that. New York's Guardian Nightlight. Yes. This Curtis is, Lee till dawn. This is very good, Barbara. Now, where in Queens do you live, Barbara? Uh, well, I... <laughs> In uh, southeastern Queens. Oh, southeastern Queens. Oh, mm-hmm. I, mm, as opposed to southwestern Queens. <laughs> and now that I have you on the phone, yes, yes. listening to you for a long time, yes. I want to say God bless you for all the wonderful things that you and your wife do for animals. Oh, yes. I'm an animal person, and uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, and you can't miss uh, the Animal Welfare Hour. It is the most requested, it is the most listened to, and it is the most called up of the many segments that I do, close to 20 hours on the weekend with WABC. <laughs> uh, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis. 12 midnight to 1, before I have to hand off the microphone to that uh, Mama Luke, that Mangalooch, uh, and that Mashat Frank Morano. So that's my suggestion. That's a good one. Barbara from Southeast Queens, thank you. You don't want to tell us the neighborhood, do you? Uh, I'd rather not say. Oh, I, I, I think I know what neighborhood that is. I understand. <laughs> People in that neighborhood... They don't necessarily want their neighbors talking to Curtis Lee. But, hey, you can figure that out, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you go down Woodhaven Boulevard from the LIE. You go past Middle Village uh, on your right side, then Forest Hills, where I live temporarily, on your left side. And then you go right on through, right, Woodhaven, and then... Uh, <laughs> Ozone Park. Hey, did you see those two guys? They got stabbed outside of the John Gotti Jr. High School of No Achievement, John Adams had, right on Rockaway Avenue. Uh, and then you go right down Cross Bay Boulevard, and lo and behold, you're in Howard Beach, and then over the bridge, the Adabo Bridge, and it's broad channel with the Irish there, the Shanty Irish, the Lace Irish. And the next stop, the Irish Riviera, Rockaway, Naponset, as you go uh, west. Breezy Point, the gated community, and then when you go left, where I actually live there, 51st, right on the water there, boy, Far Rockaway, tough. There used to be, uh, what was that, the Peninsula Hospital there? How many times did I get stitched up there? Auburn Projects, oh, man. Rough, Redfern, 
Uh, that's near Five Towns. That's right. All the Jews in Five Towns. And Bayswater, too. All the Victorian mansions. And the dump used to be there. The mosquitoes. You could put, in the summertime, you could put a saddle on them and ride them around Far Rockaway. And they had the bungalows. Used to be two fares. You took the A train. You had to get off at Broad Channel. Pay a second fare. And then there was Rockaway Plainland. Oh, that was my favorite. Oh, Right before the last stop, you go on uh, west, I think it was 96, Beast 96th Street. All the hipsters and millennials, they love going there now, but there's no more Rockaway Playland. Oh, they had the best rides because it weren't crowded like Coney Island. Oh, that roller coaster was good. The bumper cars were good. I, I preferred uh, Rockaway Playland. I much preferred Rockaway Playland. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. And all the girls from Stella Maris, all the Irish girls from Stella Maris, they had freckles. Stella Maris no longer open Catholic school right there, just blocks away. It's a we'll meet at Rockaway Playland. You know, they may be going to the boardwalk. Yeah, most times they'd say, no. I'm a good Irish Roman Catholic girl. I know what that means. There's no, uh, <laughs> no birth control, that's for sure. No, 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 no. Don't go there. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Cliff calling all the way from Binghamton, New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Cliff. Hey, Curtis, I got a name for your show. Okay, you sitting down? I'm I'm sitting down. I'm ready for it, pal. This this is a bombshell. Bombshell, bombshell. Bombshell, okay. Jiving with Curtis. Simple. You can remember it. Not hard to say. It's kind of like 60s, 70s. It's got a lot there. It doesn't really specifically state nothing. You know everything about uh, politics. You know where all the bodies are buried. You know where all the gangsters came from. You know all the schools. You know who did all the good things and the bad things. I mean, there's nobody that has New York City... uh, you know, more knowledgeable than you to speak of. I mean, you can speak with uh, Ron Kuby, who's what, come lot out of Cornell and Lipman, and you, you've been with everybody. You fly solo so well, and you really don't need nobody. You can, you know, you are, you are Curtis, and everybody knows your, your name's kind of, you know, it, it says who you are. You know, Cliff, uh, that is an excellent observation all the way from Binghamton. Uh, were you born and raised there? Well, Elmira, where the judge is from, Janine. Oh, yeah, Janine. Born Pirro. in Arnadoc, and she, she's from Elmira. Uh, but, yeah, I never really seen the angels uh, your, your in Binghamton. Have they ever tried to make a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a portion down there not far from the university where a lot of those young kids get into trouble because they start yeah. like... They drink up a storm and then get into yeah. fights, and then the locals uh, give them beatdowns. Uh, but uh, question, uh, when you were in Elmira, was your family, uh, were they screws? Were they correctional officers involved in the penal system? No, but it, back in the old days, Elmira was a reform school. It was, you know, it, then it turned into like an IMAX. Now they're getting rid of the southward. But I left Elmira when I was really young. I still got some relatives there, but it. It, you know, after the flood, it changed a lot, and uh, it has a lot of history, good and bad. But uh, the the big prison there, that Southport, I you know, it employs a lot of people, and I don't know where they're going to do with all these people because these people aren't really good people, you know, and they're just turning them out 
uh, Como got rid of, I don't know, what was it, 30 prisons in his 12 years? Yeah. Yeah, that was a big industry upstate. But Elmira, I remember when Crazy Joe Gallo was housed there. And he would have yeah. the New York Times delivered to his cell each and every day. Now, you say to yourself, how the hell did he get the New York Times up there from New York City? I don't know. Well, yeah, but it's like an old prison, just like Auburn. They got like a real, you know, real look to them. They're really, uh, I don't know, it's a deterrent just to look at the thing to me. Well, it's a little bit like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, exactly. But, hey, here's the name. Here's the song that you could play for your warm-up song. Like, Frank's got that little, uh, I'm not sure what you call that song, that, that jazz tune he plays. Yeah, that's that we Soul Makosa. Remember Soul uh, Makosa? Soul Makosa. Now, that's unique. I believe uh, the musician who did Soul Makosa, I think, although I stand to be corrected, maybe somebody out there knows, was from South Africa, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. But I mean, back like in the 70s and 80s, before like the Internet kicked in and all that, all the stereo shops, they'd have like a big speaker box out front. and They'd be playing that. I mean, it was kind of really iconic, you know, when Nathan's was uptown and, uh, you know, you had all the Tad Steakhouses and all that. You remember that? Oh, Tad Steakhouse. The Parkway had, what, 10, 15 cars burned up that would be just sitting there along the highway. Yeah, but the uh, Tad Steaks, which was everywhere in the city, they would you'd get all gristle on the bone, almost no steak, all fat <laughs> yeah. and gristle. And the best thing about it was the garlic bread. Yeah, the gar- that I mean, then, that, 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 it was great. You go in there, you sit down, yeah, you felt like, like ninety five or something, you right. know, for you know steak or something, all the trimmings and all that. Right, you felt like a million bucks. They would cook yeah. it right on the grill in the window. You would see the flame yeah. shoot up. Yeah, and you said he was riding the four train last night up through probably the Bronx and everything. Now, our Hollywood mayor there that you got, I bet you he probably hasn't rode the train in, what, 20 years, 30 years? He probably couldn't even tell you where the four train goes. No, he was a transit cop for 10 out of the 22 years that he was a police officer in New York. He knows about the subways, but to be honest with yeah. you, um, he, wow. he is not a subway guy like he used to be when he had to work in the subways. And I'm telling you... Cliff, it is a hot mess, that number four train. Ugh. From 125th Street in Harlem right on up to Kingsbridge Road, right north of where I started Fordham Road. A mess. Every train we were on last night. Every train. And like I said, it was a 74-year-old woman I discovered on one train. Uh, She was from Atlanta. Her name was Mary Reeves. Wow, she had been a teacher, she had been a lawyer, she had taught at Emory College, went to Emory College, well-spoken, intelligent, and just, whoa, what's she doing on the train? And we took her to a shelter uh, downtown off 33rd Street and said to myself, you can't allow people, elderly people, to be homeless and in the streets or in the parks or on the trains. Number four train, that goes from New Lots Avenue. That is rough in East New York, all the way up to Woodlawn, Little Dublin. But a lot of those stops along the way, double trouble. I got I hope. I hope she's in that shelter because when I last checked, she wasn't there. And I'm trying to find if anybody finds Mary Reeves out there. She has a Southern accent, highly intelligent. Please let me know. We got to we gotta figure out a way to get her back to Atlanta, find her relatives. I have guardian angels down there. I've circulated her photograph. 
But now we got to find her. Apparently, she left the uh, uh, the emergency shelter that she was in for the night, and they don't give me any information uh, because they're not uh, customer service. It's not even part of their vocabulary. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Karen in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Karen. Hello, happy St. The latest happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Karen. <laughs> I have uh, two good names for your show. Uh, in the wee hours with the skill master of Gab Comedy and Stories, Curtis Slewa. And the other one, because you do have the gift of Gab. <laughs> and the other one is uh, Discovering the Nooks and Crannies of the Mind Together with Curtis, the Guardian Angel. Oh, this is so good. You know, I'm going to be trying to get up to the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Pearl River, the Irish Riviera, along the Hudson River in Rockland County, your neck of the woods on Sunday. I know where that is. It's 20 minutes from there. Yeah. <laughs> going to be there Sunday. I'm going to try to because i got to be back here 3 to 5 to do uh, liberal versus uh, conservative <laughs> with uh, Chris Hahn. But I, yes, I, 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 I will tell you, that is, imagine, out of all the St. Patrick's Day parades in all of New York State, in all of March, it is the second largest St. Patrick's Day parade, second only to the Fifth Avenue parade. Yep. It's been, uh, my uh, friend used to march in it as a Vietnam vet, and he was with the American Legion. He did that for many, many, many years. Uh-huh. Great. And we'll sneak, in, sneak into the taverns, then come back out oh, and God. go back into the tavern. Yeah, and crawl out of the taverns and then they're <laughs> down in the street and it's like, hey, you okay? And the I, guy, never crawl, I never crawl there. The guy would call me. <laughs> I remember I was there campaigning one year. It was St. Patrick's Day Parade. And the guy was calling me Jimmy, Jimmy the Cricket. Jimmy the Cricket. I said, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? He said, you, you remind me of Jimmy the Cricket. I said, and how many brewskis have you had? He goes, enough to count on my hands and my feet. <laughs> Don't talk about crickets. My parents had a, a place in White Meadow Lake, New Jersey, you know, years and years ago. And one summer, uh, there was a cricket in my bedroom. I could not find it all summer. It drove me nuts. And yeah. I finally found it in, in the closet. It was making noise the whole summer. The whole summer. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. And where did that term come from, Jiminy Cricket? From uh, ah, uh, Pinocchio? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Ladies and gentlemen, why did that Irish guy pass down in the streets of Pearl River when I went there for one of the uh, St. Paddy's Day parades? Call me Jiminy, Jiminy, Jiminy Cricket. Hey, Jiminy Cricket. Where did Jiminy Cricket come from? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to Ron calling all the way from Michigan, the heartland of America. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ron. Good morning, Curtis. Curtis, you were talking about bakeries uh, a couple uh, last week, I think it was. Have you ever been to Rosin's Bakery in Chicago, the oldest bakery in Chicago? I passed by it, but I haven't been into it. Okay, you should pass by. You should stop by. It is the oldest bakery in Chicago, and it is one of the best. It's hard to find a good bakery anymore. You know that. What is their specialties? Because since I've never been there, only passed by. Well, I mean, if I were going to Rosin's, what would I particularly be ordering? You want to get a loaf of rye bread with seeds, number one. 
and then you want to get a couple of uh, cream-filled horns. Uh, they're, they're, the, they're, they're the fry cakes, and they're uh, uh, crescent-shaped, and they're filled with cream cheese. And then get a couple of donuts, a ch- couple of chocolate donuts, and uh, I like a prune uh, Danish and a cheese Danish, and a couple of French donuts, but uh, anything, the cakes, the pies, it's all good. Do they have uh, the Polish klotchkis there, which are like oh, the... Yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I love the klotchkis. Although the, the Jews, they have uh, the hamantaschen, which is almost like the klotchki, uh, because it's like a pastry with a fruit jam in there. Yeah. But, you know, here's what I've called, really. Has Teal Hardiman contact you, contacted you from Chicago? He said, because he wants to put a force together of 100 uh, young young people, and they're going to be trained in martial arts, and they're going to be patrolling the... Uh, subways, but he he was going to have them connected to the city of Chicago, and uh, but he said he was going to contact you. And who is he he again? T.O. Hardiman, and he runs a group called Violence Inter... Inter... uh, Ruptors. Yeah. Oh, I've dealt with them in Chi-Town. I've dealt with them in D.C. We got them here in New York City. Oh, man, let me tell you something, Ron. Double trouble. This is, this is how the violence interrupters uh, work, because I've worked with enough of them with guardian angel groups around the country. So uh, they're being promoted now by President Joe Biden, being promoted by the mayor here in New York City, Eric Adams, and in other cities. And what they supposedly are are former gang members, former thugs. Mm-hmm. They've, they found, uh, you know, got back on track. They're no longer in prison. They're trying to do good in the community. And they go out and they try to stop violence before it occurs between gangbangers. And in Chi-Town, you have the worst gang problem now in America. The Mm -hmm. problem is when you sit down the violence interrupters and you say, well, if you have information about a crime committed, are you going to bring it to the police? And they say, we're not snitches. So I say to them, whoa. So if you're aware of a crime that was committed, and you're not going to take it to the police. How is that going to be resolved? And they, they use the line that they all use, all the gangbangers, snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. So whereas we, Ron, we tell the thugs and the thugettes that when they say, oh, here come the rats, we say, yeah, and we love Parmesan cheese. We, we can't eat enough Parmesan cheese. We live to rat people out who commit crime. So you see, therein lies the problem, Ron. I see. I see. Thank and that's probably that. why he did not get in touch with me. Yeah. Hey, one more point, if I may, about uh, Merchant Marine Seaman. My old man grew up in Old Town in Chicago, and that was a rough rough area when he was growing up during the Depression. And he used to roll drunks coming out of Old Town, as sailors in particular, he said. I just wonder if he uh, ever encountered your dad when he was uh, – or because or, he did – like I said, he, he did he did admit he jack rolled sailors when they come out of the bars, the dives in Old Town. Yeah, well, the so. interesting thing, my father grew up in the south side of Chicago, 46 in Rockwell, a four-story uh, uh, cold water flat. Uh, would have to go to the local gin mills and drag my grandfather, Anton, out because he was an alcoholic like a lot of the men were then. Uh, and my grandmother, Wanda, would say, you better go get dad before he spends all of his money at the gin mill. And my father was the oldest, Chester. 
And as a result of seeing so many men who would work hard all day, they'd work 12, 14, sometimes 16 hours, and then just hang out at the gin mill and waste it all on booze, he never drank. I never saw my father drink. He 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 wouldn't smoke cigarettes because my grandfather smoked those uh, Chesterfields uh, without filters, uh, died of lung Camel. cancer. Yep, camels they had at that time, all other kind uh, of uh, cigarettes. So he didn't smoke. He didn't drink. He would never have a tattoo on. You know, semen. They always wanted tattoos. And he yeah. only cursed in my presence twice in my whole life when I realized he was really angry. Other than that, he never cursed. And you know how salty semen are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Curtis, did did you hear the story about uh, Frank uh, t- handing his baby to drunks in, uh, bar- in the bars in- during uh, St. Patrick's Day? Did, he- did you hear that story? Oh, my God. You're kidding. No, Frank said that him and his wife, St. Patty's Day, they wanted to go to a bar. They went to one Irish bar. It was too crowded to get in. They went to another bar, and they got in with, with baby Carmen in a, in a you know a holding basket. And uh, they were in the bar, and some lady drunk at the uh, bar said, let me hold the baby. So they handed the, the bassinet over to the uh, drunk lady, and uh, they took it back. And Frank asked his wife, I thought, did you know her? And, he said, and she said, no. And she said, I thought you knew her. And said, no, I didn't know her. And he had just done a story on uh, the Lindbergh kid kidnapping. And I said, Frank, you know, you know, I said, in my opinion, what you should do is get one of those baby straps where you strap the baby to your chest. And that way there, nobody can touch it. Nobody can pick it up. Now, that, that, baby... that, that sounds like absent-minded Frank. Imagine he goes out, St. Patrick's Day, he doesn't have a drop of Irish blood in him. He goes probably to one of the many Irish gin mills on Forest Avenue in Staten Island. Uh, and you're right. He just uh, gives Carmine to a There's stranger. Yeah, no, no, he, that's, you know, that, that's, that's his fault line. He is, uh, he's absent-minded when it comes to those kind of things, Ron. What we got to watch out for baby Carmine. Plain yeah. And simple. Yeah, no, no, definitely, uh, definitely. I'm going to have to have a stern discussion with uh, Frank about that. I wonder if he had already had his normal four dry martinis for the day. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. With his uh, back-to-back, belly-to-belly interviews with first Roger Stone on the other side of midnight, and then his former partner in business, Paul Manafort, got top-shelf five-star reviews. But as a result of the Roger Stone interview, uh, YouTube said, that's it, we're putting you, uh, WABC, on the shelf. And it seems that all of the uh, hosts and hostesses here, the management, owners and operators, uh have uh, rallied round the Frank Morano flag, have coalesced around him and supporting him on that. And I'm thinking of Roger Stone, the ultimate political trickster. 
He knows where all the political bones are buried and who buried them because he probably was the one who actually buried those bones. The first political trick I ever remember him talking about, I think he grew up in Norwalk, Connecticut. He was uh, Roman Catholic at the time. It was the election in 1960, JFK versus Richard Nixon. And he worked a cafeteria. And he told all the kids, tell your parents to vote not for Nixon, for JFK, because Nixon wants school on Saturday. Boy, that was his first political trick, only to later become a member of the Nixon uh, team during the Watergate era. And so loved Nixon that he had a tattoo of Nixon put on his back that he said many of the femme fatales were enamored with. So imagine, he was actually bamboozling kids to get their parents to vote for JFK in 60 versus Nixon and then became one of Nixon's uh, biggest sycophants, toadies, and lackeys. And remember, here's a guy who was involved in swingers clubs. So he gets through uh, the Nixon administration, Bush 41, uh, and then... uh, it's uh, Bob Dole at the time out of Kansas was running against Bill Clinton his, uh, for his second term, Clinton's second term. And that's when all hell broke loose uh, for Roger Stone because it was revealed that he had taken out ads in Swinger magazines. And he denied it at first, said, no, 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 no. It was somebody who was working for him who did it. He got cold busted. It was 1996, and he got fired by the Bob Dole presidential uh, team. Ironic because Bob Dole came back after losing the presidency years later after doing the debate with Bill Clinton. Remember, they used to have that on uh, 60 Minutes, although that was a bust. Did the first uh, Viagra commercials uh, of a politician. So here was Roger Stone taking out ads in a swingers magazine. And then Bob Dole doing ads for Viagra years later after Bob Dole had... Roger Stone fired. Wow. Oh, bizarre. 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Kevin in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kev. Hey, how you doing? Uh, hold on a second, Kev. I realize the rest of the talk show hosts and hostesses give you tremendous license. They're just happy that anyone's calling their program. But we do have some Robert Rules of Order uh, performance guidelines for those of you who call. We hope many of you call because only one out one percent of uh, all the listeners to talk radio ever bother calling. But one of the things you have to do, uh, Kevin, is never ask me how I'm doing because I'm just going to tell you I've had better days. Kabish, Kabish. I kind of knew that, but I've been waiting so long I forgot that. So. <laughs> I give you slack on that. Okay, Kevin. You know, beginning of your show, you said you've never been invited to the uh, parade. I find that hard to believe. No, never. Uh, the Ancient Order of Hibernians in the Fifth Avenue Parade has never invited me to the parade. They have a waiting list that goes on forever. I'm sure if I had really bored in, somebody would have invited me to be part of their entourage. But I figure, hey, I'm not I'm not going to go if you're not going to invite me. Uh, you know, I'm not going to just bogart you. What you do anyway. So I just find that hard to believe for all you've done for the city. So See, you're very cogent. You realize that I bogart them anyway, and I just march wherever I want to march <laughs> if you don't invite me. That's awesome. <laughs> very good, Kevin. You know, the, 
the other, the other night I was on, and I, and I got through, and I'm waiting, and you said, no, let's go to Kevin in New Jersey. So I started talking to myself, but you were talking to another Kevin in New Jersey. Ah, see, psych, psych. Yeah, totally. I'm like, what the f-? Yeah, okay. Ah, so listen. So you were talking the- as if you were on the air, right? Yeah, I was talking to myself in the car. It was kind of weird. Wow. Hey, look, I've been caught doing that. Oftentimes, it's a habit I have of talking to myself. But your your listeners, I, I can't believe how many people stay up all night to to get a chance, a 1% chance to talk to you. Well, that's my job. It's to get them so revved up at the start of the program that they can't go to sleep. Many of them will say, I can't go to sleep. I can't go to sleep because I'm all revved up. Well, that's how stalkers are formed, so keep at it. <laughs> So listen, your name thing—it's been—it's been bothering me. It's not bothering me, but you know, first of all, you have to have something catchy and something that's quick, and anything with more than four words, three words, put a line through it. It's not gonna—it's not gonna work. Some of them are good. I—I've been listening, but you just want something. You know, your intro is King of New York, correct? Yeah, yeah. You formed—you formed the Angels. So just a play on words. Just simply, just call it Curtis Knights with a K. It's wow. Simple. That's good, Curtis Knight, like Bobby and, Knight and used to be. Whole, it, it stands for everything that you've you've done. Yeah, I like that, and I have an anger management issue, just like Bobby Knight had. <laughs> oh man, well, yes. You remember the anger management? You should see me when I, I get one of these fits of anger. Nah, and I, I like that. You. I like that, Curtis Knight, related to Bobby Knight, and remember, he would wear red when he was at Indiana. Well, right? the night show. That's right. To play, yeah, exactly. Red, exactly. This is but great. Night, night. It was, it, was, it, was, it was worth the wait, Kevin. Worth the wait. That was brilliant. But if you want to know what Curtis Lee was really like, remember the basketball coach, the University of Indiana, Bobby Knight? Hmm, that's me. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lee, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Give me the loop, give me the loop. 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 This is the We Be Thuggin' update about thugs and thuggettes that are running rampant through most, uh, most of the major urban areas uh, in America. Look at Philadelphia, my God, they've already had more than 100 homicides. Uh, they're on track to set even another record from this past year where they established over 500 homicides in a year, an all-time record. Likewise, Baltimore, D.C., New York City, Chi-Town. Well, believe it or not, I've uh, dubbed uh, a new nickname for our uh, new mayor, Eric Adams, Out of Town Adams. Uh, He's at a law enforcement conference in Chi-Town, Chicago. I can't believe this. All day yesterday, all day today, you going to Chicago? That's the worst crime problem in America? What the hell are you doing there? We got crime galore here. And it's only gone up since you become mayor. The stats indicate it's the highest crime of any eight weeks. Make that nine weeks. No, going on ten weeks. Of the worst ten weeks of the uh, Bill de Blasio part-time mayor dope from Park Slope uh, administration over eight years. And yet he went down with the uh, uh, crypto uh, profiteers in Miami. He was in D.C. this past week. 
and now he's in Chi-Town. Man, time to keep your Ferragamos uh, on the ground. Stay in New York City. Do the job here. It's out of control. But I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, Our colleague here, Dominic Carter, originally was the... uh, the look and the voice uh, of New York One that gives you the local news uh, in the five boroughs of the city of New York for years. He was uh, the image of New York One. In fact, uh, that's where I first did my weekly appearances with Herson Barrero, which went on, believe it or not, for 13 years. Every Wednesday, uh, it was a fixture. And I would be all costumed up. I would do parodies. Uh, it was um, the kind of uh, comedy satire that is so important, especially for younger viewers who learn their politics that way. Look, look at Comedy Central. That's that's how that all came about. And I did that in New, New York One. It was very successful with Herson Barrero for 13 years before they said to me, sayonara, when all of a sudden the snowflakes took over and, you know, they, they, they don't want their feelings hurt, God forbid, whether it's friends or foes. They, me, you make fun of anybody or do any kind of political parodies, they were having heart attacks. So it was time for me to go. And Dominic Carter, uh, since he's come here to WABC, has taken on topics that a lot of our talk show hosts and hostesses won't because their complexion is not their protection. They can't. They won't. They feel it's like walking on thin ice. I probably can approach it the most uh, because I have the street cred, but Dominic has the credibility of the fact that his complexion is his protection, and he can delve into black-on-black crime better than anybody else here at WABC, and he has given us two great back-to-back belly-to-belly programs, 12 Midnight to 1, I believe it was uh, Wednesday and Thursday, or it could have been Tuesday and uh, Wednesday, in which he was talking about the enormous number of crimes committed against Asians. Percentages have gone up 368% in the five boroughs of the city of New York, and most of the assailants are African-American, mostly male, sometimes female. And clearly the uh, victims are Asians, mostly Chinese, but some Korean and some Filipinos. Those seem to be the three largest groups that have been targeted and victimized. And then there was that horrible crime. Many of you probably saw the video in the foyer in the lobby of that apartment building in Yonkers, in which this big black guy, I mean, he was huge, probably had to be about, oh, I would say maybe uh, about 6'2", 280, huge comes behind this elderly Filipino woman. I think she was about 68. She had her uh, carriage with her. She was trying to get into the uh, the building uh, through the foyer, the lobby. And he had been talking some uh, trash inside uh, the entranceway, anti-Asian rhetoric, and then came up behind her and hit her about 128 times. It was one of the most vicious all-out beatdowns that I have ever seen administered. You don't even see that kind of a beatdown in jail. And so Dominic Carter did not uh, do the hula hoop. He didn't juke, he didn't jive. He didn't avoid the subject. He took it on straight on in talking about black 
on Asian crime. Good morning, Dominic. I, I thought I saw it all. I saw it yesterday on the news in Seattle. A woman gets off the train. There's two flights of stairs going down to the street. Guy comes up behind her, throws her down a flight of stairs. When she lands on the first landing, he goes back down. You think it's somebody trying to help her. It's the same guy that threw her down the first flight, throws her down the second flight. It's the worst video I've ever seen on crime. Hey, hey, you know what, Dean? I think I got one to top you. And then he went on to talk about the video that he had just seen. Have you seen the video in Yonkers on Friday night? Where where Asian-American woman uh, appears to be walking into her building uh, with a shopping cart. She's minding her business. She's not bothering anyone. An African-American male, he looked to be in his late 30s, early 40s, walks in. He had apparently yelled uh, racial slurs at her. And he hit this woman, I believe the police said 100, maybe I got yeah, more than 125 times. hundred. He stomped and punched her more than 125 times. This was in Yonkers just on Friday at about 6 p.m. Wow. And then actually, if you hadn't have seen those videos, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, the dean from Jersey City was talking about horrific in uh, Seattle, and even worse in Yonkers, absolutely worse. Uh, Dominic Carter didn't stop there in comparing notes when it came to uh, African-Americans or people of color attacking Asians. He uh, extrapolated. The Asian community cannot really call it out for what it is because nobody wants to be called a racist. No one. And and Asian people, generally speaking, right, generally speaking, they don't bother anybody on business and they don't want to make the problem even worse. So if they speak out and say that there's a racial problem, that may put even even a bigger target on their back. He was brilliant, but he didn't stop there. Another night we'll do a show on why Asian Americans are coming under such attack. It it is just it is just unacceptable. I I I don't get it, folks. Most Asian people I have encountered, they don't bother anybody. They work hard. They do the best they can in school and excel oftentimes. And again, they're peaceful and don't bother anybody. So I I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I understand the historical point of view. Some will say, well, this goes back many, many years to Asian-Americans owning stores in New York City. My answer to that is real simple, folks. Stop hating on those people. If you want to open a store, find a way to get it done just like they do. That was excellent, Dominic Carter. I give him a five-star top shelf for his uh, talk about an issue that others don't want to talk about. The elected officials don't want to talk about it. 
black uh, hate that leads to attacks on Asians. And uh, I followed it. I've tracked it, as Dominic mentioned, that early on, a lot of Asians, especially uh, the Koreans, uh, would get a, a store in a tough urban inner city neighborhood. Uh, it was either the Koreans or the Yemenites. And the Yemenites, uh, they're still there. They still uh, own a lot of the grocery stores and bodegas in the tougher neighborhoods. Uh, a lot of the Koreans, though, have gone on. They came over. They got themselves a grocery uh, vegetable stand in a real tough neighborhood. And their, their children have decided not to carry on in the business. And they've gone on to school and developed different careers. But... Uh, There was this notion in the 70s and 80s because of all the kung fu flicks. Because Bruce Lee uh, at that time was dominating the box office. That if you messed with an Asian, an Asian man or an Asian woman, even if they were elderly, even if they were in their 60s, 70s or 80s, a lot of those kung fu flicks, you'd see three for $5 on the deuce, 42nd Street or in the local theaters. You get an 87 year old guy, he'd be jumping 50 feet in the air, he'd be throwing spinning hook kicks, uh, reverse punches, axe kicks. And you say, how the hell did he do that? Those were those run run Shaw movies. And then inevitably, there'd be an elderly woman who would come out and say, don't tell me she's a kung fu princess. And man, she'd all of a sudden be doing three or four different kung fu moves and knocking guys out. And so there was this impression, especially in the inner city, if you messed with Asians, man, they knew they knew the art. They knew the arts. In fact, guys uh, and some gals, especially because of the effect that Bruce Lee had in getting so many people to study martial arts, all different kinds of martial arts, whether it was uh, judo, karate, jujitsu, aikido, uh, and kung fu. They'd go down to Chinatown or Flushing. They'd get those kung fu slippers. They'd have those uh, black uh, pajama pants on. Uh, they'd have those kung fu outfits on. And they'd be walking around. And they'd be doing all kinds of kung fu moves as if they were sparring uh, against the air. But boy, that's changed. That's changed noticeably from one generation to the next now. Asians are viewed as being soft suckers, easy prey, easy victims. Many of them will never report it to the police. Some of them can't speak uh, English. They're right off the boat, so to speak, uh, from mainland China or other parts of uh, Southeast Asia. And they, they don't just don't report. They're easy to be victimized. So I've said with my increase in guardian angels in the predominantly Asian areas, Chinatown in lower Manhattan, Flushing in Queens, and now the largest uh, Asian area in all of the five boroughs, 8th Avenue and Sunset Park in Brooklyn, and then Woodside, Queens. You have a huge group of Filipinos there, folks from uh, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Chinese, huge mixture of uh, Asians there. Then you got to fight back. You know, I suggest joining the Guardian Angels, why reinvent the wheel, but men and women have to be trained to fight back and not all of a sudden. Uh, become uh, become a uh, human piñata for thugs and thuggets out there for emotionally disturbed or other people who want to take advantage of them. So that was brilliant programming by uh, Dominic Carter, handling a very sensitive issue that white hosts and hostesses uh, almost never, ever talk about. 
Uh, but Dominic uh, dealt with it head on, and I'm sure got a lot of criticism from some of his colleagues, some of his peers, some of those uh, folks uh, he grew up with in the Bronx. Remember, he grew up in the Patterson Projects in the South Bronx. Then they moved to the Throgsneck uh, Projects uh, right uh, on the side of the entrance uh, to the Throgsneck Bridge. Uh, so, no, 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 he, he definitely earned his uh, his street cred, went to uh, Theodore Roosevelt, which was the uh, drug school there on what on uh, Fordham Road, East Fordham Road, right next to the uh, uh, right next to the uh, White Castle across the street from uh, Fordham University. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go if we can to uh, Jackie, who's calling from Westchester County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jackie. Yeah, I, I uh, also listened on the weekend to uh, your nemesis, and he had some people calling in saying that you were a phony because you don't uh, fight for the conservatives and you just let, uh, like, Anthony or somebody talk and and you don't fight back. And he said, you know, all phony conservatives over there at this station. So, I don't know. I, I think maybe you could fight back a little more. I mean, when Anthony says something like, there's nothing Biden could do about inflation, it's worldwide. We actually caused the damn inflation worldwide in the largest part because – we stopped pumping oil or digging or uh, drilling for oil. He cut off all the uh, federal lands. He cut off the pipelines. And we were exporting to the world. We were exporting one or two million gar- barrels a day. And it was going up. And he turned it down so that we have to import it now. And that caused inflation here. And it also caused inflation everywhere else because oil supplies are so tight. So there are a lot of things he could do, and he's not doing. And it's all regulations that he's put in are raising the price, and we cause everyone else to have inflation. So, yeah, there is stuff he could do, and so you should try to fight back more. Well, you see, Jackie, when you have a left versus right program, and the reason you don't have any more of those, do you know of any other program that has left versus right? Nope. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Well, think of it. Remember, you used to have uh, Pat Buchanan on Crossfire, and they would have rotating uh, liberals, and that was a great show. Uh, One of the reasons that CNN became uh, watched greatly at night was to see who Pat Buchanan would be debating. He was on the right, but really, he's uh, more of a libertarian than I would say a staunch uh, conservative in many instances. And then you'd have somebody on the left who would debate him. Uh, and then they discontinued that. It was a great format, and they tried to revive it and bring it back, and it didn't work. Then you had Hannity and Combs, Alan B. Combs, who was the liberal, and obviously Hannity the conservative, and then after a long run on uh, Fox News Channel, Hannity decided he wanted to do the show on his own, and then Alan B. Combs became a contributor to different programs until, unfortunately, his untimely death. But if you notice, Jackie... Uh, There has not been any other really left-right programs. I did one for many years uh, when Ron Kuby was my partner, left versus right. But you almost never hear of that any longer, not on talk TV, not in talk radio. Because what happens is if the temperature gets too hot, 
then the hosts or hostesses begin to take it personally. Uh, immediately, things begin to melt down. People start shouting. They start yelling. You don't really hear their points. So it's very important that you let the liberals speak, because if you don't let the liberals speak, then you'll never hear a liberal on a place like WABC in any capacity. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like let Anthony Weiner speak on the left to uh, the right uh, conversation that we have. It's really more of a conversation than a debate. Two to four on Saturdays. That's just in a few hours. And then I do a similar program, although it's different because Chris Hahn is different, from three to five uh, on Sundays. It's left versus right. But if you notice, it's more of a conversational tone because if I start getting into arguments that maybe get out of control, there is uh, the likelihood, like in a nuclear reactor, you'll have a meltdown and then uh, all the king's men can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Okay. Now, that's why the, that's why there's that style. You let the liberal have their say, I'll have my say, and then it's up to you to determine what you want to believe. And let's face it, Jackie, most people who listen to talk radio are pretty hardened in their views. They're not, they're not new jacks. They're not rookies. There are some who want to know more about what's going on in the political world. But most people who listen to talk radio on a regular basis pretty much have a hardened view. You could teach them things that they didn't know. But the likelihood is you're not going to change their minds. Yeah, but okay. I think uh, part of the point was that your ads for it say it's going to be a slugfest, the right versus the left and everything else, and they're expecting a little more fire between the two. That's true. So if all of a sudden we touch gloves and we come out and we're just throwing jabs instead of trying to knock each other out, it doesn't live up to the billing, right? It doesn't right. live up to the hype. Right, because people are looking to uh, get their fire and their blood, too. That's that's a good point. Yeah, if you listen to the ad, heavyweight champion Curtis Lee. Well, by the way, if you notice, uh, neither Anthony Weiner is given a title of any type, nor is Chris Hahn. It's almost like, and uh, his opponent on the left. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. they, they should have some title, whether it's a flyweight, paperweight, lightweight, welterweight, <laughs> middleweight, whatever it is. They should have some title, Jackie. Sure. But that's a very poignant and cogent uh, view that when you listen to that uh, uh, promo, and uh, by the way, Bruce, see if you can bring that promo up to either one, whether it's uh, me and Chris Hahn or it's me and Anthony Weiner. I want to hear the tone because sometimes I haven't listened to it intently. But you're right. We maybe are not living up to the hype uh, of the promo, which which, – would really then be a, a pox on us, meaning the, the participants. So in this case, Anthony Weiner, yours truly, two to four in just a few hours this Saturday, and then Chris Hahn, uh, three to five on Sunday. Let's listen to uh, one of the ads. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner, Christopher Hahn. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they say slugfest, you're absolutely right, Jackie. It makes it seem like, wow, these guys are going to come out swinging and winging. Yep, and they're the heavyweight. Yeah, well, I am a, a true heavyweight, um, 212 pounds. So in the ring, I would be considered a heavyweight. 
Uh, I think I can hit as hard as a heavyweight, although, let's face it, you look at Anthony Weiner, he's a skinny Bellini. <laughs> and then uh, Chris Hahn, uh, he loves to run, so he'd be running from me all over the ring. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, maybe we ought to ratchet it up. Maybe we ought to uh, try to meet more of the expectations of the listeners uh, so it's not just don't believe the hype. Right. Excellent, excellent constructive criticism, Jackie. And that's okay. that's why it was important that your voice be heard like everybody else out there. Look, I am open uh, to constructive criticism. I had a conversation with one of our owners and operators, Margo Katsimatidis, uh, earlier this week, and I say, hey, Margo, uh, you know, you're a listener, just like John Katsimatidis, her husband is, uh, as, as well as a great broadcaster he is. Uh, any any problems you have, you feel free to let me know. I'm always up for constructive criticism. Ah, nobody likes to be criticized, let's face it. Nobody's that skeptical, that jaded, that hardened, that enamored, uh, that all criticism uh, is not going to make you wink. But it's good. It makes you a better talk show host or hostess. So feel free. If you have constructive criticism right now, coming on the heels of what Jackie in Westchester County had to say, this is your time to be heard. Give me your constructive criticism. Do you think I'm too soft? Do you think I'm not hard enough when I'm in the ring with either Anthony Weiner, Saturdays 2 to 4, Chris Hahn, 3 to 5 on Sundays, or for anything else that I do in talk radio close to 20 hours on the weekends, as we are now a program in search of a name, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Gina calling from Ditmas Park in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gina. Hi, Curtis. What's going on? <laughs> uh, a lot. We're, okay. looking for, we're looking for a name. We're looking for we're a name. We're looking for a name. Okay. That guy stole my thunder when he was talking about the Warriors, because that's what part of the name is that I have for you. I came up with this great one, okay? It goes like this. And then there was something else I want to talk to you about. But first, I'll tell you the name. It goes like this. Sliwa talks with the Warrior. Oh, I like that. You know, remember, as I told you in our audience, uh, the Warriors from Paramount Pictures came out on February 8th, 1979. There were riots in some of the theaters around the country, even in Bakersfield, California. Uh Yeah, because it was about gangs. So, you know, it's like stirred up young men with high levels of testosterone crashing through their cranium. Then I started the Guardian Uh Angels February 13th, 1979. So people fought. We were cast characters in the Warriors. They thought we were one of the gangs. Really? And as I mentioned, really? uh, the, uh, the, the group that did uh, Funk 49, uh, the James Gang, uh, with Joe Walsh uh, out of Cleveland, they actually did a lot of the music uh, for uh-huh. the Warriors. Oh, it's great, great cult classing music. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard it, you really need to, to see it. Because uh-huh. it so epitomizes what that era of the 70s were like. Oh, yeah. I've seen that movie so many times. Let me tell you. I love it. It's one of my favorite, top ten favorites. Top ten favorites. But you like that or else I was going to call it The Warrior Speaks. Sleeva, The Warrior Speaks Tonight. The Warrior Speaks Tonight. I like that. I consider myself yeah. not a wuss, but a warrior. Uh-huh. uh-huh exactly. Because you can't say... The angel speaks tonight because it sounds like it's different. 
you know? Yeah. It's like, don't worry, it sounds better. Yeah, it sounds a little yeah. too soft. A little too soft. Too yeah. Soft. Yeah, too soft. Yeah, imagine okay, if, you, if you said, oh, uh, I'm the angel, I'm going to knock you out, and they'll say, what are you going to hit me with, a powder puff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I wanted to ask you if you ever used to read Jimmy Breslin when he was a writer for the Daily News. Uh, Jimmy Breslin, you mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, Jimmy Breslin. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Breslin. Uh, he wrote quite a few pieces uh, about the Guardian Angels when I first started, when the cops uh, uh, were very negative towards us and Ed Koch was very negative towards us and we were being arrested on a regular basis. Uh, he came out, he patrolled with us, he wrote a number of great pieces. The thing about Jimmy Breslin is that a lot of times, uh, if you didn't talk to him before 11 o'clock in the morning, Afterwards, you'd have to translate what he was saying to you because he was half in the bag. Half in the bag. <laughs> I like a lot. Of, Eleven o'clock. Oh my God! Oh, 11 a lot of a lot of the columnists, a lot of the great columnists at that time, yeah. uh, they'd be boozing. Uh, you know, they were booze hounds starting at about eleven o'clock in the morning. Oh, like Pete Hamill. He was a booze. Yeah, team. yeah, Pete Hamill. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Dennis, his brother, a great writer in his own right. Not as much, Dennis, but definitely Pete Hamill. And some of the other uh-huh. great columnists uh, who uh, wrote uh, and people at the newspapers because they wanted to read these guys' columns. That's how good they were. Yeah, exactly. I was in high school. I used to buy the Daily News, and I used to read Jimmy Breslin. And he wrote a story. I never forgot the story about a mob guy. They called him Unokio because he had one eye. And he kept a pet wolf in the basement. And if you crossed him, he'd go take you and go down there and feed you to the wolf. Now, the the question (laughs) is that what was often asked about some of Jimmy Breslin's uh, great pieces, because they were very, very informative, but sometimes very entertaining, is that did you believe, Gina, that that was a real story or more like a metaphor? I don't know. I thought it was a real story. I Googled it, and I came up on the on the computer, that story. Ah. Oh, it's a metaphor? Well, I don't understand. Explain that to me. Well, sometimes a writer will use creative license, uh, and they do, in order to make a point without necessarily uh-huh. implicating people. So they'll create uh-huh. characters. Because, you know, especially if you have a source, if you have a source, somebody who's giving you information internally, you don't want to necessarily give up that source. Because once you've given up that source, uh, you probably won't be able to use them any longer because they'll be tainted. Nobody will talk to that person. Nobody will give them information because they'll think they're a snitch. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, in the code of the streets, snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. I know, I know. But, but there wasn't a guy named Unokio. That was somebody he made that up. No, no, I didn't say guy. that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but some have suggested that. Uh-huh. Some have uh-huh. suggested. Okay. Now, he wrote a number of pieces about the Genovese crime family up in East Harlem. Fat Tony Salerno, who uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Kumbaticic, put away in jail, triple life without uh, parole. Fat Tony who was quite a character. Uh, So he would write about real people, Jimmy Breslin would, and mention their names. And then other times he would use metaphors or he would create a name, create a personality, so as to not necessarily give up a contact or a snitch. And sometimes just make something up, period. And you would never know. You would never know, Gina. Oh, 
Oh, I see. Okay. But, but okay. he was a great writer. Great writer, no doubt he about was. it. He was. He was. I was still remember reading him, you know, all these years back later. Oh, yeah, and then uh, other times he'd be at the track uh, at Aqueduct. Oh, he went to the track. Okay. Yeah, oh, they all did. They all degenerate gamblers. If they weren't drinkers, they were also degenerate gamblers. And he'd write about the working class guys who lived in that Ozone Park area or up there in Woodhaven and talk about how they would live each day in order to be able to go to the track, gamble their money, uh, the vigs they owed from the loan sharks. Uh, so it, he was just, just uh, an excellent writer, Jimmy Breslin. You just had to talk to him before 11 o'clock in the morning because after that he was half in the bag. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Sylvia in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sylvia. Oh, good. Curtis, I'm an old Brooklynite. Ah. Now, I, I want to, your name is going to be like this, your station. Yo, hi-ho. Yo, hear this. Listen to Curtis. Now, Sylvia, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Ninety-five. Wow, Madonna, my 95 years old. <laughs> I was born in Brooklyn. Ah, which neighborhood? in Brooklyn. Which neighborhood? Brooklyn, New York, Bedford-Stuyvesant. Wow, and what high school, was, what high school did you go to, Sylvia? PS3, so I went to uh, um, high school, uh, Dean and Third. Wow. You you are 95 years old. Do you listen to the radio Neighbors. often? Oh, yeah. I used to listen to um, Long John Neville a long years ago. And uh, I listened to, um, oh, what's his name? He died. Art Bell. Yeah. And I have a lot of his tapes because my husband, I used to tape everything on a cassette, you know. I said, when I'm gone, my daughter said, I'm throwing all this out. <laughs> well, and I got I got Jimmy Breslin's writings. I have a oh, lot of his writings. Oh, wow. I to save all that stuff. I have albums and everything. Right. So, Sylvia, let me take you back to the old WMCA overnight, uh, Long John Nebel and Candy Jones. Right. He married her. Yeah, and remember. He, Long John Nebel didn't go to school for radio or nothing, you know. No, I know. And he had us believing that his wife, uh, Candy Jones, was a CIA agent. Oh, no. She had a, she was a, a she used to take get models in. Yes. She had a model agent. Yes, yes. Wow, you sharp. You remember all that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Some things I forget and some things I remember. No, you know, no, you're, you're, you're very the sharp. The age of the age, you know. That's right. But let me <laughs> let me ask you this. Uh, you like listening to that Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, Art Bell? Oh, I used to like Art Bell. Mm. I used to like to listen to him. Mm -hmm. Wow. He got married and then, you know, because his wife died and then he got married again. Yeah, he had this thing uh, going over to the Philippines and marrying yeah, Filipino women. Right, he did. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask but, you a question. Uh, when did you start uh, taping broadcasts? Oh, gee, when was that? Let me see. My, well, that's when I used to listen to uh, uh, K 
Candy Jones, uh, yeah. Long John Neville. Right. So you, did you use cassette tapes to tape them? Yeah, cassette tapes. I have so much cassette tapes of him. Now, is there a possibility, I know it may no longer be the case, that you can actually tape Frank Morano? Oh, oh, Frank, he's nice. I could tape him. Yeah, yeah. And see, this will be good, Sylvia. If you tape Frank Morano, uh, then possibly I'll have evidence in those times that he, you know, at times he gets, he get, you know, he, well, what can we say? He gets a little hissy fit sometimes. He's nice. He's a nice man. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a young, nice man. He, right, but he gets a hissy fit from time to time. Well, all of us get a fit. If you don't get it today, you definitely get it tomorrow. Eh? <laughs> it's just how you deal with it. We all have to deal with what goes on in our life. Yes. And you say a prayer and ask the good Lord to give you strength so you can keep going. You don't bug God, you know. You just ask him and he'll do it for you. Now, i got to ask you a question, Sylvia. A lot of these politicians, they claim that they, they talk to God and God tells them what to do. How come God never answers my phone calls? Well, it's not that he don't answer. You just don't see the answer when it comes or you don't feel it when it comes because you have so many other things on your mind. Oh. You try to do too many things at once. And so I'm not open to hearing what his message is to me. Yes, you are, but you probably don't understand hmm. because you're so busy doing other things, negative things, that you can't catch it. Wow. I never thought of it in that capacity. Sure, and when it comes to you, you, you it, it, it goes right away because you don't feel it. You don't get that spiritual feeling. Ah, with all your your age, you have all this wisdom. You see how important it is that you share it with everybody. Well, life is short, and, you know, we have to, it's the gift of God. Mm. So we have to think about that and recognize it when we get little blessings. Now, uh, are you presently living in Bedford-Stuyvesant? Oh, yes, I live in, in, on Shore Road. Wow. I live here in the Senior Citizen Center in Bay Ridge. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And you have that great view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have a nice center over here. I play the piano here at the center. Oh, that's great. Well, Sylvia, I want you to keep listening to talk radio, whether it's that nice guy. Frank Morano, <laughs> myself, all the other talk show hosts and hostesses here at WABC. You see, Sylvia's been listening since Long John Nebels and Candy Jones dominated the airwaves overnight. They set the template. It couldn't get any better than that. That was theater of the mind. And boy, I'll never forget as a young man listening to Long John Nebel and Candy Jones on my Sony transistor radio. Remember, underneath the pillow, mom and dad and uh, no one else should hear it or they come in and take the radio away from me. It was either the Yankees when they were on the road in California playing West Coast games. I'd be listening. I'll never forget Mickey Mantle up at the plate. Dean Chance was pitching for the 
California Angels, Jim Fregosi. Never forget, right, Jim Fregosi? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's like uh, when they play on the West Coast, I'd be listening to my Sony Trinitron radio. And remember, it would be oiled up and it would have that smell. Uh, Art Bell told the same story that Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, he was the son of a building superintendent in the fourth ward up the hill in Patterson. And he would go on the rooftop and listen along John Nebel and Candy Jones in his, with his Sony transistor radio. We all did. But he were listening to uh, Top 40, Cousin Brucey spinning stacks of wax, or Harry Harrison or Herb Oscar Anderson. Oh, it was great, WABC. Although I got to admit, I wasn't a WABC radio guy, Top 40. I listened to WINS, and that wasn't news at the time. They played music. And I like WWRL because I was totally into R&B. Uh, and uh, I like WMCA because uh, you had the uh, All-Americans. That was WABC. The good guys were WMCA. And WMCA would actually break songs. It didn't have to be a top 40 song for WMCA to play it. I really prefer WMCA. Yes, yes, I, I did cheat on WABC by listening to music on WMCA. On WINS, before it went uh, to 1010, all news all the time. And actually, WWRL, great R&B. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Steve in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Pleasure to speak with you. Um, I had a name for the show. Go for we- it. Curtis Lee, Curtis Lee was... Weekend Theater of the Mind. You're painting pictures with words every weekend, entertaining us all night long. Now, that's brilliant. So repeat that one more time, Steve. I repeat that. I'm going to write it down. Curtis Lee was Weekend Theater of the Mind. Ah, I like that. Yeah. Yes, and that- then also, um, you had spoke earlier about um, the Kung Fu movies in the 70s and Bruce Lee. Yes. How many young men ended up with a knot on the back of their head trying to learn the nunchuck? Ah, so you uh, you got a pair of nunchucks and ended up uh, nodding up the back of your head. I think I wasn't the only one. We were all trying to be just like Bruce Lee there in the late 70s, early 80s. That's right. He, by his sole presence as a martial arts star, uh, was able to captivate so many men and young women, young men and young women, that they wanted to go uh, study the martial arts, whether it was kung fu, whether it was karate, whether it was judo, jiu-jitsu, aikido, whatever it was. There was a rush of not naturally registration uh, in martial arts studios and a boom in the number of martial arts studios that opened up all across the nation. Yeah, I also believe he was almost like a pioneer of the mixed martial arts because if you remember, like, you entered a dragon, like, he was using, like, karate kicks. Then also like arm bars and stuff like something you never really saw before. Now, in regular um, kung fu movies. Let me ask you a question. Uh, as uh, towards the end of the movie, he had a one-on-one showdown with another famous martial artist. Do you remember that? Oh, Chuck Norris. That's right. Awesome. That's right. Texas Ranger Chuck Norris. And that- he's a conservative. Yeah, conservative. Uh, he uh, came out and he supported Huckabee, remember, when he was running for the presidency, the governor of Arkansas. 
He's got that workout machine, him and his wife. I forget what it's called. But it's little uh, Jim. That's right. And, uh, again, he's probably best known by Americans not for his martial arts movies, uh, but for uh, his movies uh, as like a, uh, what can we call him, a covert operator uh, in the jungles as a fighting guy uh, and naturally as the Texas Ranger. Yeah, Lone, Lone Wolf McCade, I think, was the name of his movies. And, um, but it's, it was almost like a takeoff of Rambo, right? Yeah. The movies you're speaking of? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. Wasn't wasn't as good as Rambo, but it was still it was entertaining. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, Chuck Norris did a great job. I I really appreciate the way you um you guide everybody through the conversation. You're very, very patient and very entertaining. I think I've been listening to you probably since like the mid nineties when you first was at the old WABC when you used to make appearances on the overnight, right? That's right. That's right. I would make appearances with Alan B. Combs on the overnights uh, regularly with uh, Bob Grant, the king of talk radio in the afternoons. And uh, then on some other radio stations, uh, Barry Gray, who is mid-mornings on WOR, Barry Farber, who is overnights. No, I I, I was given a lot of opportunities to explain what I was doing because I was under fire by the PBAs, uh, the police uh, themselves, and actually, Mayor Ed Koch, so talk radio always gave me an opportunity to explain myself, Steve. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier Hannity and Combs. I love that show, and I love the, the left versus the right, and I miss Alan Combs. But wasn't it kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Wizards, but Hannity versus Combs? So you, mean, like, you mean the Washington Generals? The Washington Generals, I'm sorry, yes. Right, yeah. and on rare occasion, the Washington Generals would win. You've got to keep it interesting, right? Yeah, no, no. This, uh, remember, when you watch these shows, understand that it's like watching thespians, actors and actresses. Uh, when you look at Tucker Carlson, who's considered number one now on talk news TV, When he was at MSNBC, he was a liberal, a moderate. I know I substituted him for a week, and he told me, Curtis, uh, please uh, don't don't mess with the audience here. Uh, You know, uh, I'm going away uh, for a week with my family. I'll give you an opportunity to host, and I did. And my first interview, first, right out of the box, was with Rachel Maddow, who was with... uh, Air America at that time. She was not on TV. And when she would do Air America, the radio show, she would have everything written out. She was a lousy talk radio hostess, really bad. Uh, But boy, we were like two scorpions in a brandy glass. We were going at it. And uh, Tucker Carlson noticed he left MSNBC, he went to CNN. He wasn't like he is now. Now he's at Fox News Channel. He's totally different. That was back when Tucker had the bow tie, right? That's right. And you know me. I don't trust anybody who wears bow ties. <laughs> I don't trust Scooby yeah. Louis Farrakhan who wears a bow tie, Pee Wee Herman, uh, George Will, the conservative uh, uh, columnist. Anybody who wears a bow tie, I don't trust them. Yeah. As we're speaking right now, I want to thank you for keeping me company because I'm about to take an 18-wheeler across the George Washington Bridge. Wow. Now, how much does that cost now? If you had to pay, let's say, if you didn't have an easy pass or anything like that. Oh, uh, 45 bucks for a tractor trailer. Yeah. Wow. 
And what yeah, are you car- are you carrying a load or is it an empty rig? No, I got um, I have a full load. Uh, I I drive an eighteen wheeler for a big brown trucking company for thirty years. And where where do you have to go? I'm headed up to Amityville, New York, from New Jersey, and I took the um the tractor trailer from um down in um central New Jersey. Right, so you got to go to Amityville. Yeah. In Long Island? Up the LIE. The Long Am- Island, yeah. What are you looking for? Amityville. The Am- Amityville uh, Horror House? Oh, fantastic movie. Amityville <laughs> Horror. That's right. Now, now, what's uh, diesel? That- what's diesel costing if you had to pull into a gas station, uh, hypothetically? Ooh. What would uh, diesel cost you a gallon uh, now? Oh, uh, people are going crazy. $5 a gallon. Like, if you're... Like, thank God I work for a big company, but if you're an independent trucker right now, people are really suffering because of, you know, the rise in gas prices. You know, for, like, a a lower middle class or a working class citizen, like, um, some of the politicians that make the decisions, they don't understand what it is to hand them out their day-to-day. Like, I saw an interesting story yesterday that they're starting to have, like, bread lines again, and I think it was Brooklyn. Like, we haven't seen this in years, you know? Sometimes in the United States right now. So if you had to personally fill up an 18-wheel tractor trailer, it was bone dry, what would it probably cost you? Um, My friend filled up the other day $1,000 to fill the, the bull tanks. Wow. <laughs> so then you get clipped with the tolls. You get clipped at, at the gas station. It's like, wow, the prices are just going to be skyrocketing all over the place for all other products that you have to transport in order to cover that expense. Well, that's exactly right. It goes down to the um, everyday consumer, like in the grocery store or the clothing store, wherever you're going to go shop. You know, these, these big companies aren't going to eat that cost. They're going to pass it down to the person that's trying to survive the day. Well, we appreciate you giving us... Uh... A heads up what it's like on the road and an 18-wheel tractor-trailer. Prices are going up, and that means all of you listening out there are going to feel the crunch when you go to your retail or wholesale establishment. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought the hip hop would take it this far. Oh, we did a tribute tonight earlier this hour to the Mac Daddy here at WABC, our own Dominic Carter. He had uh, fabulous uh, two-night shows featured on black uh, crime versus uh, Asians that is growing in tremendous, tremendous percentages, uh, not just here in our tri-state area, but all over the country all over the country, and commentators will not address that issue. Uh, if your complexion is not your protection, you don't even go near it. And Dominic Carter, to his credit, charged right in and dealt with it and will continue to deal with it, and that needs to be recognized because that's great talk radio, no doubt about it. 
Meantime, let's go back to the phones. It's Troy calling from Mountain Lakes. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Troy. Yes, it is, Curtis. Now, I'm listening to you say that you have these shows, Left versus Right. There's no left versus right on ABC. It's left versus leftier. Now, you are a sycophant. You are a stooge. Let's go down the list and see what you oppose. What do you oppose? Do you oppose desegregation of colored people? Speak words. Desegregation of colored people? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. You never heard of desegregation? No, I've heard of desegregation, but why are you using the term colored people? Well, what, what, what's the term colored people? That's like a throwback to the 60s. That's a throwback. <laughs> That's the same as the term people of color. They just reverse it. It makes them more. It makes them feel better. Uh, so desegregation. So you don't oppose it. Don't, don't avoid the question. What do you oppose on the left? Do you oppose desegregation of colored people? I still don't understand what you're talking about. That's why you're a stooge. You understand. But you're avoiding the question. Uh, what's another do you one? Oppose, do you oppose decriminalization of homosexuals? Decriminalization? It's not criminal to be a you're homosexual. You're doing your stooge thing. You're doing your sycophant thing. You're a stooge. You are a Democrat. You are a far-left Democrat. You are on board with all the atrocities that have been committed against this country. If you weren't a stooge, you wouldn't have a job. Oh, so uh, everybody here is a stooge? Yeah, yeah. Anybody, if you said, uh, I'm, uh, you know, we should like uh, round up black people because they're like the Indians now. They're on the attack. And the Constitution provides for uh, like the Indian Removal Act, the Semitic Removal Act. And now we're going to have to have the Black Removal Act. So uh, we're not going to continue to let Negroes run, run wild. Are you crazy? But you would oppose that, wouldn't you? So now you've gone from colored people to Negroes. Wow. That's what they're called. There's actually a college called the uh, the Negro College. The, what is it called? The American something. No, the no, Negro no, College. No, 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 no. It's the Negro <laughs> College Fund. Yeah, something like that. Right. But uh, so let's go down the list. Let's go down the well, list. What do you actually oppose? What do you actually? It's my sad duty to challenge you, Curtis. You're right. a good guy, but I got to challenge you. I got to challenge so you. So I'm, I'm I'm a liberal. Well, let's go down the list and see what you oppose. All right. Well, give me, a, oppose, give me an issue. Like, do you oppose the concept of racial equality? Do I oppose racial equality? Of course not. Do you oppose interracial marriage? Hell no. What do you oppose? Why, why would I oppose interracial marriage? My first wife was black. Well, that's my point. You don't oppose. You are a Democrat. Wait, 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 wait. So if you happen to involve yourself in an interracial marriage, how is that political? Ah, that's the little game. Like it's not, oh, they're just things, they're just, just questions of right and wrong. And the people don't get to decide those questions. The oligarchs get to decide right and wrong. And that's not really, it, it's all political, Curtis. It's all political. And who might who might those oligarchs be here in our country? Where do we start with the oligarchs? Uh, uh, they would be anybody uh, in government that are supported by these uh, gangsters that that fund them and bribe them and uh, also threaten them, like uh, uh, like through the through the 
secret police and keep them in line. Now, when you say the secret police, we know obviously yeah. who the very visible police are. Who would who yeah. would you consider to be the secret police? FBI, CIA, ABC, XYZ, NSA. Yeah, they're, they're all the secret police. Well, you, you've heard me refer to the CIA as criminals in action. Yes, and I, I, I uh, and I congratulate you for that. All right, so I get one brownie point from you, right? You get a lot of points, but you can't be you can't be saying that we had left versus right. There is no left versus right on the radio. You would have to bring the Ku Klux Klan guys on or, you know, Nazi guys on to have left versus right. Wow. The Ku Klux Klan and Nazi guys. Anyone else uh, that we should bring on? National Alliance, maybe. OK, National Alliance. All right. Anyone else? I'm taking down the meticulous notes here. OK. No, uh, but let's get back to the thing. What do you oppose about the left? You don't oppose anything. If you oppose, if you said what you really think on the radio, you wouldn't have a job. So you're locked in. You're locked in. You know what you ha- you know what to avoid, and it's you know. Well, look, it's it's be- look. Yeah, there's no such thing uh, on a commercial radio station of total free speech. You can't say completely what's on your mind at times. You're you're aware of that. No, I'm not aware of that. You should be able to because your your company is under FCC license. Yeah, so there and are seven government. seven and, words we can't say or uh-oh, we got trouble here. Oh, where is that in the constitution? Well, no, uh, you have free speech. When you're on the air, you could say anything you want because no, you have free speech. No, 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 <laughs> no, Jordy. no, that's not the case. Uh, oh, if you uh, were on cable or satellite radio or things like that, that would be true. But if you have an FCC license uh, as a mainstream station, there's certain rules and regulations you have to follow or there are severe fines. That might lead to you being either suspended, excommunicated, expelled, or you're fired. I'm not going down that trail. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. talk about Vladimir Putin and Russia as it is crushing the Ukraine. They had a rally earlier today of close to 200,000 and a soccer stadium uh, in Moscow supporting uh, Vladimir Putin and his war of aggression against the Ukraine. And I know there were reports that a lot of people uh, said, well, you know, we were told we had to be there, but the place was packed. Uh, let's not be in total denial and think that a lot of the Russian people are not supporting this war because they are. They are. And a lot of people would say, ah, you're not going to have a situation where 
uh, people are going to want to kill people that they know or they're related to or speak the same language or of the same color. Yes, they do. It's called civil wars. And usually civil wars are the most vicious wars. Look at our own civil war. We had more casualties in the civil war than we had in any other war. Look at the civil war in Yemen. I mean, you had 350,000 casualties in Yemen over all these years. The civil war that's going on in Ethiopia now. Look at all the casualties. So this concept that you don't really want to kill people who are the same faith as you, the same color, the same ethnic group, speak the same language, uh, in this case being from uh, the Slavic uh, area, that that's not true. I don't know who the hell came up with that one. But this happens all the time. It's just like it's a shock, as Prince, uh, what was that, I think, Prince William or Prince Harry said. Uh, we don't do that in Europe. Oh, yes, you do. You have a history of doing it. You've had more world wars that have affected Europe. World War One, World War Two, millions killed, millions. So let's deal with the reality of who Vladimir Putin is. This is the way he fights wars. He did it in Chechnya. Against the Islamic fundamentalists, he leveled Grozny, the capital city. Leveled it. Nobody had a problem with it. Very few people had a problem with it. He kidnapped men in the middle of the night out of homes, and they disappeared. Didn't have a problem with that because, ah, you know, potentially a threat to the West. Maybe sympathizers of al-Qaeda, other extremist Muslim groups, or ISIS. Likewise, when he leveled Aleppo in Syria, was there a, was there a backlash to that? Some, but not like we're seeing now in the Ukraine. And obviously, this is far more devastating because he's trying to level so many more cities. But you should not at all, at all be stunned that this is the uh, method of operation of Vladimir Putin. This is what he's done when he's gone to war. It's just his style. And again, there are some similarities to um, our invasion of Iraq. He told his Russian troops that they would be greeted like heroes when they went into the Ukraine, that they wouldn't get the blowback they're getting now. He clearly lied, just as uh, Bush 43 lied and Cheney lied when they said that our troops invading Iraq would be greeted like uh, heroes in which the Shias, the majority, but who are victimized by the Sunnis, the minority, would welcome us, uh, would come out, would meet us and greet us. And yeah, they did with improvised explosives. And then we allowed uh, the looting to take place, which was totally outrageous. It led to lawlessness and anarchy, like you couldn't believe. And then what did Putin want to do in uh, the Ukraine? Regime change. Exactly the things that we said about Iraq. Libya, uh, Syria, Bashir Assad, and naturally uh, uh, the butcher of uh, the Balkans. Uh, As uh, we were talking about going to war against Serbia, which uh, at that time did not have the support of the United Nations, was a war uh, that the United States and NATO declared on Slobodan Milosevic and, and Serbia. So we've had a number of situations ourselves that we've been involved in. This is clearly the most egregious, no doubt about it. Six and a half million refugees fleeing 
most of them through Poland, but also into Romania, Hungary, and other surrounding countries. And the other problem that is going to uh, continue for both the refugees and those who are housing them or caring for them is that many of these refugees have coronavirus because only 30% of the people of the Ukraine had been vaccinated. Uh, They haven't had boosters. Uh, Many of them only had the one shot. Uh, So they're carrying that uh, into Western Europe or wherever it is that they're finally going to end up uh, before they hope to uh, eventually return to their domiciles in the Ukraine. But I think uh, we can recognize out of the six and a half million now, and that number will grow, many of them will probably never return to the Ukraine. Uh, The way we can be helpful, uh, in addition to everything we're doing, the United States is uh, to accept the refugees here into America, our allies uh, in NATO, uh, they can accept some, but they can't handle this huge amount. Canada can, Australia can, United States can. Canada can because it only has like 34 million people, and it's got the same kind of landmass almost as Russia itself. Australia, same likewise. They're always looking to increase their population. And here in the United States, we can handle our fair share. So that's uh, one way uh, that we can uh, definitely be helpful uh, in the refugee situation. But in listening to a lot of our callers, the last 72 hours, warmongers, I I couldn't believe it. It's sort of like these armchair generals, generalissimos, they want to go to war. No fly zones, let's go get the Russians, let's take care of Putin. Yeah, he's got 6,000 nuclear warheads. Do we believe that he won't use them? Some of you, oh, he won't use the nuclear. Well, if you think he's crazy, he'll use them. If you think he's unstable, you'll use them. You don't really know what's going on in his mind. And he's clearly on a mission. And it's not the mission that we share with him. So you want to risk going to war against Vladimir Putin over the Ukraine. If there are any of you out there who believe that, you're out of your minds. Because the guy, if his back is up against the wall, will use nuclear weapons. (laughs) That's why you have them. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to John in his truck somewhere in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. You're the man as usual. Entertaining. I'm telling you, Curtis. Hey, before I get sidetracked, um... You know, that's a weak argument uh, with uh, he has uh, nukes. It's almost like I, I'll give you, a, if, if you were on the subway, would you sit by and watch somebody get mercilessly, now mercilessly beat? You would you would want to step in, but you, you were afraid maybe he had a knife. You would still step in. But besides that, Curtis, before I forget, I like, I like your man undercover in Staten Island with his dog, Rusty. He found the notebook, or uh, I know exactly what's in the notebook, Curtis. All right, he so was, let me let me just let me let me explain to our audience. Junior uh, and his dog Rusty have been uh, keeping surveillance right. on Frank Morano, and he reported. I'm asking everyone to to listen four hours in the morning, five mornings a week. That's a total of twenty hours when Frank is on to rat him out uh, to eat the Parmesan cheese, and he said that Frank mentioned one morning that he felt that the uh, weekend crew uh, took this notebook that he would write notes down in about future ideas and concepts he wanted to do on the program 
out of his locker uh, and also uh, took a mug, some kind of celebrity mug. Is that correct, John? That's right. And what he had in the notebook, uh, uh, last week he talked about how he was dumping his garbage on the side of the house and it was uh, Baby Carmine's disposables. But what, what it really is is for his tomatoes, he's going to till the land. He's got exact numbers, exact menu, etc. for the beefsteaks coming up this year. And this way for his gravy, he knows exactly where, where, when, what is in that gravy. And uh, besides that, Curtis, what I deliver, you asked me the other week, I couldn't tell you. But I go from uh, Westchester County Airport north towards Rhode Island with the secret load of working for the Democrats now, a secret load of individuals. They come in late at night. But, Curtis, trivia, real quick, if I'm still on here. Yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Okay, real quick. Iconic characters. They didn't want to go to an event one evening. They had their doctor come and diagnose them with dipsy doodleitis. Any idea? Uh, diagnosed with dipsy doodleitis. Dipsy doodleitis. Dipsy doodleitis. So dipsy doodleitis. So that means they were eating dipsy doodles. No, no, no. They had they had their man come over. He was posing as a doctor. They didn't want to go somewhere. They wanted to go somewhere else. They had their man come over, and he said, "Yes, they're suffering from dipsy doodleitis." Ah, so uh, who who were they? Well, that's that's the trivia question. I'm sure one of you listeners will. Uh, but hey, let me tell you, Curtis, you are by far. I tell you all the time, you have a higher calling. You are the most entertaining guy on the radio and i'll tell you you're you you should be and you know who's paying for uh mayor uh uh what's his face his stay and his ganja and everything else me and you <laughs> <laughs> i hope he's smoking some nice kush <laughs> dipsy doodleitis wow so According to the trivia, if anybody knows, what famous people had a doctor come and I guess uh, indicate that they were suffering suffering from dipsy doodleitis? And by the way, we never had anybody respond to what Jiminy Cricket means. What is Jiminy Cricket? When somebody says, Jiminy Cricket, like, holy, jump up and sit down. Jiminy Cricket. Where did that term come from, Jiminy Cricket? What does it mean? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Oliver, who's been patiently waiting on the line in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Oliver. Wow, I can't believe it. What an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to speak with you, Mr. Sliwa. Uh, I have a whole host of things I want to share with you, but I'm going to try to be brief and just start with... Uh, Okay, I'll start with, who would think that a man with your M.O., that is, for your audience, the letters mean modus operandi, a thug buster, could have such 
high intelligence. You are the quintessential definition of a paradox. You are, to use another phrase, an enigma wrapped up in a conundrum, if you ever heard of that phrase. And wow. We love you. Wow, boy, that's those are, you were spitting out <laughs> five dollar words there. I got a million of them. That was that was very good. You're very very astute on that. You are very close to what I call the heart of my artichoke here. I appreciate that. I am so so honored that you say that. And uh, I didn't finish because all I had to finish was saying was, and I know. Uh, and we love you. And I know you don't like compliments, but eat it. Because <laughs> we love you. <laughs> That's brilliant. That was brilliant, Thank you, Oliver. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. My now, let me continue. Listen, your son wants to drive a Dodge Charger. Well, why do you think? Because you are like, you know, you're the great defender. You're like a cop yourself, and Dodge Chargers is what cops drive. So your son is following right in your footsteps, only he wants to be maybe more legitimized. <laughs> so yeah, well, you see, he uh, mentioned that today he got his senior ring in high school. Wow. Uh, so he was flashing it, you know, to anybody and everybody, and he was saying, hey, Dad, you know, now that I got my senior ring and uh, pretty soon it'll be graduation for me uh, in a few months, well, what's happening with that brand-new Dodge Charger? And I said, <laughs> kid, go out and get a paper route. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. That's how we came up in New York City. That's for sure. Oh, well, you got to, Oliver, yourself and everyone else, you can listen to some of this banter back and forth between me and my son. Uh, it's on the Father and Son podcast. It's actually been changed. The name that he requested from our Campo di Tutti, our general manager, Chad Lopez, to Anthony and Curtis. And we actually get into this. Uh, we've done 11 episodes so far. He was teaching me how to play roadblocks earlier today. So that'll be uh, at WABCradio.com, uh, along with the many other podcasts uh, of programs here and then specialty programs. So, yeah, uh, look for Father and His Son, Anthony and Curtis. Oh, fantastic. I will definitely look for that. Good to know. Good to know. Now, moving on. I missed you at the W last week, but I did get to meet for the first time Rudy G. And his son, Andrew, got some great pictures, and I can't wait to hear Maria for the first time, who I did not know had a radio show. And you know who I'm talking about. I showed Rudy a picture of her and I, which I took right there at the W on Staten Island there. And when I showed Rudy the picture, he punched me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> now, little did I know uh, anything. I thought she was just his assistant or whatever, and I won't go into any other personal details. But uh, but I missed you at the W, my friend. You were there, weren't you? No. Uh, the week before, I was at the um, uh, Annandale Terrace, I believe it was, the Annandale Terrace. Uh, I was uh -huh. supposed to be at the W uh, with John Tobacco, 
who had set that up for Andrew Giuliani so he could get uh, signatures for his Republican gubernatorial run. Rudy was out there. He did his live broadcast from there. And, yes, uh, Maria, who is uh, partners with Rudy Giuliani, that you can hear especially Sundays, Sunday mornings from 10 to 11. Yes, and I missed her because of daylight savings time, I think it was, because I met her. She was fantastic. And I also met Mr. Tobacco. Uh, so, yeah, I just can't believe uh, that that room was not more filled with people. I just was so delighted and honored to, to be with Rudy Giuliani, uh, and we took a great picture. I got some great shots. I want I would love to share some with you. I got shot, the shots with Maria, as I mentioned, uh, shots with Rudy Giuliani, and a great shot with Andrew. Yeah, and oh, I, I tell you, the, uh, the turnout there was uh, over a course of many hours, they got a lot of signatures. Uh, Staten Island is solid gold for Giuliani because all you got to do is mention Rudy Giuliani and his son, Andrew Giuliani, and then people just line up to fill up yeah. the petitions. It's it's Giuliani land, Staten Island. I did not know that, and I'll tell you what. Wow, I just lucked out to hear that he was going to be there on your show or, you know, our late-night shows here. Uh, it was actually Frank who had mentioned uh, mentioned it, and that's the only reason I was there, because <laughs> I was up listening to the, to, to the late-night shows. Anyway, let me let you go, Mr. Sliwa. You, oh, wait, I had one more thing to tell you. Are you ready? Go for it. Your new name for your talk show, there's an old saying, all right? Keep it simple, stupid. Uh. Weekends, weekends with Curtis Lewa. That's it. I like that. Repeat weekends that. Repeat, with... repeat that one more time, Oliver. Mm, sorry, my voice is a little harsh. No, no. We, we, weekends with Curtis Curtis Sliwa. Uh, that simple, my brother. I like that. that I, I mean, I'm just throwing it in there. No, no, no. It's in the mix. Uh, it's now close to 138 suggestions ever since uh, that Mamaluk, that Mangaluch, that Mashad, Frank Morano, had a hissy fit and said, hey, I don't want the, the, the show on the weekends called The Other Side of Midnight uh, on the weekends. And so now we have to go hunt and come up with a new name because he had a hissy fit. And now he's the golden boy at WABC because he did the stellar interviews with Roger Stone, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, and Paul Manafort. And who knows? He may soon be getting an invitation to start doing cameo appearances on 60 Minutes to do interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, that's how uh, Mr. CNN... Uh, does those cameo appearances. I could easily see, you know, Red Apple Media, our parent company here at WABC, might actually lend out Frank Morano, uh, who does great interviews, uh, occasionally, maybe once a month, to do an interview on 60 Minutes, just like Anderson Cooper does for CNN. But now, you see, he's got a big head. He's the go boy. He can do no wrong. Oh, so if he has a hissy fit... All of the suits say, whatever you want, Frank. Whatever you want, Frank. Whatever you want, Frank. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Rick in Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rick. Good morning, Curtis. Good morning. Uh, for three things. 
quick, and, and, and I know because I got my three fingers out when we're done. Uh, first, thank you very much for the hat you sent me. I gave you one of the names for your show. I thought we were done, but uh, I want to thank you. I, I couldn't believe I got, I actually got it because I'm from Jersey. I don't believe anybody when they tell me they're going to send me something. Yeah, so, well, again, Frank Morano uh, was a little slow <laughs> on that, so a lot of complaints. They, they finally corrected that. But no, no, our Crackerjack uh, promotions department, as soon as they get the data, they get them right out. Yeah, yeah, I got it within a week. I was amazed. I was like, what is this here? And I couldn't believe I got it. Second of all, cat food. Have you noticed there's a big shortage on wet cat food? Yeah. I and and, and I, I was asking around. I don't know. Do you think it's true? Someone said it's because of the uh, inflation. People are eating it now. Well, look, um, there are people in tough times who yeah. have uh, eaten dog food and cat food with rich crackers or saltine yeah, crackers. Cat food tastes better, I've been told. Yeah, uh, I I do know, especially the elderly who are on very fixed income sometimes have done that. Um, I understand that the prices of all these products are uh, beginning to skyrocket. There's no doubt about it. I I could oh, easily yeah. see that happening. Yeah. So all right. So you might think that's true. I I just thought because I, I couldn't figure out like why cat food, you know, and and yeah, that that's a shame. Also. Now they're on the third finger here. Uh, when you're putting your, you know, a call one eight hundred, you know, for calling in, and your phones are like dead with hopelessly deadlocked because you're so popular. Maybe your caller should tell you, like, give you the cut sign, like, don't don't be saying that until you got lines open because it it discourages some people calling later. You call three times, it's busy. And then you're saying, call us on this. You're not going to call again. It's like the person that cried wolf. You know what I'm saying? Ah, no, that's that's good constructive criticism. Well, it's not criticism. It's just advice. Because I, today I was trying and trying and trying. He keeps on saying, call, you can't get through. And finally, I, I guess I slept in on a, on a, a lucky Well, maybe call, but... uh, we'll blame our phone screener, Carmela, Carmelita. What's her name again? Uh, <laughs> what, what's her name again? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember it either. Yeah, I keep forgetting her name. So uh, we'll blame, on this one, we'll blame the phone screener. Okay. That's, 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 that's always the way to go, right? Well, remember, the hosts or hostesses never take responsibility. They always they always uh, subcontract out uh, the blame <laughs> to somebody else. <laughs> but, sir, I wanted to thank you again for that hat. I really, it's a quality hat. And, what, and, and describe to everybody what it says on the hat. Uh, well, I don't have it in front of me. It's WABC 77, Curtis Sliwa. And then it has the uh, the FM uh, thing and then the WABC.com. Yeah, and it's, a, it's a, a strong hat. You can tell it's made of good material. Oh, no, it's really quality. Oh, absolutely. It's going to last. And not only that, if you're in a tough situation. Yeah. And all of a sudden you get, you get, hey, no, you get surrounded by some thugs or thugettes. So, you know, you're... You're in the shopping uh, mall area, and then you're trying to move out, and somebody uh, fender benders you, you know, you starts an argument. You can just say, hey, buddy, watch it. See this See this name? Yeah, 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 Curtis. I know that guy. He'll come here and punch your nose right down your, sh- your throat. That's what you tell him. You know, I met you once, Curtis. On the, first of all, you're very, very polite on the street, but you're also a magician. Because you didn't go near your pockets 
and all of a sudden, poof, there was one of your cards in your hand. They handed it to me. I put it on my refrigerator until my cat said it had to go. But I don't know where that came from. It was like, holy crap, he must have like a, a dispenser in his palm or something. It it's amazing. like a Pez dispenser, remember? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody gets a card. And some people have like four or five different cards over the eras that I've uh, dispensed, like out of a Pez dispenser. There's cards uh, when I was first doing radio at WABC like 30 years ago. Then there's that time I was away at AM 970, four years I'll never get back in my life. Uh, Some people actually have some of those cards. And then naturally the more recent cards of not just WABC, but also the special campaign cards when I was running for mayor. Well, uh, all I know is that one of them, Cat didn't like it. I don't know what what, what the design was, but it was anti-Cat because the cat had to take it down every time I put it up. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, appreciate that, Rick. Thank you. You betcha, sir. Hey, another happy listener. If I tell you you're getting a cap, you're going to get a cap. Remember, for a long time there, the Frank Morano crew were slackers and deadbeats. Remember all the calls, uh, Izzy, we'd get. People, oh, I didn't get my hat uh, like nine months ago. And then all of a sudden, you give them a little competition to show them how to do it right. Oh, all of a sudden, he's lickety-split. It's Jiminy Cricket. By the way, nobody has yet told us what Jiminy Cricket means. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Joan. Uh, Joanne. No, no. Joan in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joan. Yes. Yes, I have an answer about Jiminy Cricket. It's actually two things. First of all, there was a character in Pinocchio called Jiminy Cricket. But the name, the word was used before that as a curse word. Kids use it. And the way it developed... Um, well, it, it's like, uh, how can I put it? It's a euphemism. When people are angry, they're inclined to curse and say, Jesus Christ, right? You, you, hang, you bang your finger instead of the nail when you're doing home improvement, and you say, Jesus Christ. Okay, so you're not supposed to say that because you're taking the Lord's name in vain. So that developed into a word that has the same beginning sounds, uh, uh, the J and the C-R, it turned into Jiminy Cricket. Wow, JC. Yeah. And by the way, you cannot take the uh, the name no, of uh, name God not. in vain, especially during Lent, because we're in Lent now. Right, and especially if someone lent you the the hammer to, to hammer the nail <laughs> in, and you hit your finger with wow. it. Wow, Jiminy you Cricket know? is uh, right. is uh, basically a uh, statement. For J.C., Jesus Christ. Right. It's a substitute. I think the word G also, and I was trying to figure out where G. Wiz comes from. G. Wiz. I think that's G. Willikers, which also is a bastardization, you'll pardon the expression, of Jesus Whiskers. You're swearing by Jesus Whiskers, and you're not supposed to do that either. Wow. So Jesus Whiskers becomes G. Willikers, which then becomes G. Wiz, or just G. They, they do that in Britain, too. You know the expression bloody, this bloody thing that people will curse and say, this bloody thing, right? Yes, yes. Okay, that is a euphemism for by Our Lady. You're, you're cursing by the name of the Virgin Mary. By Our Lady turns into bloody. Ooh. Yeah. 
It, 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 it develops that way. There are quite a few. I can't think of any of them. By the way, as long as we're discussing language, there's something I've been wanting to tell you in terms of Yiddish. I know you value your correct Yiddish uh, language, you know, as much as you value your English, <clears throat> perhaps more. Right? <laughs> and you made a little boo-boo a few weeks ago on the Yiddish. Some, you, were, you, were, you were talking about shlemiel, right? Yes, yes, shlemiel, yes. So you referred to Laverne and Shirley, and you, you got it slightly wrong. You you heard it wrong. Um, the word that they say after Shlemiel, I think you you said Shlemad. You didn't you didn't hear the correct ending of that word. It's not Shlemad. It's Shlemazel. You listen again after the show. Take a listen to Laverne and Shirley. They say they say Shlemiel Shlemazel. And what that means, by the way, there's a great book on Yiddish called The Joys of Yiddish by Leo Rostin, and it is very funny. It's laugh out loud funny. And on every page, he has a different Yiddish word that he defines, and he gives a little joke or a little explanation of the usage of the word. It's really laugh out loud funny. I highly recommend it. Joys of Yiddish by Rostin. Anyway, he defines shlemiel and shlemazel. Uh, a shlemiel is someone who keeps spilling their soup, and the shlemazel is the guy who keeps spilling it on. Wow. So, that's, so, that's, that's, so listen to Laverne and Shirley when you get a chance, and you'll hear they say shlemazel. Can a uh, person be both a shlemiel and a shlemazel at the I same suppose, time? Oh, especially if you spill the soup on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, that, that you just described Frank Morano. Oh come on now! No, true, true. Uh, you got you got to get off that. No, no, I tell you, he likes uh, he likes uh, the. I don't know if you ever saw the um, broto, the broth, you know, and the tortellini that's in there, and so he loves that tortellini in the broto, uh, uh-huh. which is just broth. And, well, everybody spills their soup once in a while. Well, no, he right? goes a little further because he gets the tortellini, right? You get that, uh-huh. you scoop it out. Uh-huh. Then you're drinking the broth, sure. and then you never leave a little bit of the broth in the bowl, which you should, because you're not going to be able to get it all with the spoon. And so right. then he picks the bowl up, and then he becomes a <laughs> shlemiel and the shlemazo at the same time because right. when he's slurping to <laughs> – the soup. I have actually been in his company when he did that. Realize he's going to play this the, uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night. No, you it, know? but it's true. He was. Uh, he we and defend were, himself. We were together. This. I forget which restaurant in Staten Island, and he had the uh, brodo tortellini. So he he scoops out all the tortellini, and then he's taking the rest of the broth, the chicken broth, with the spoon. But you can't get everything in the bowl. Then he lifts the bowl and he shlemiel. <laughs> Schlamazel, and it goes right on his... Uh, well, Curtis, I-, I would say this. As long as he doesn't spill it on you, what do you care? Right? That's true. That's true. Right. That's so as long as you're not the schlamazel in this case, you don't have to care. But it really, I really recommend this book. On every page, there is a, a very funny... A, a one Yiddish word and a very funny joke to illustrate it. And it's a paperback book. It's really cheap. You'll get it's, it's a good entertainment, you know, so you'll get a good laugh out of it. I really recommend oh, it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and it, you'll learn Yiddish. There's lots of Yiddish words that you will learn in there. Oh, yeah. And there's so many that I use. Schmendrick. Oh, yeah. He's a real schmendrick. He's a pisher. 
No, no, no. It doesn't mean I'm always talking about Frank Morano. You know, I'm not just uh, totally focused on him. A lot of Schmendricks out there, a lot of Pishers out there. Uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You remember in the midst of the Cold War, when we were growing up, baby boomers in the 60s, there would be the fixture, there'd be uh, Rocket J. Squirrel and Bullwinkle. They represented the West, the Allies, and then their adversaries were Boris and Natasha. Boris Badenoff and Natasha, well, as part of this uh, protest against... uh, the Russians, and the tactics they're using in their invasion of the Ukraine. Now, when you see these cartoons on the Cartoon Classic commercial, you will see Rocket J. Squirrel. You will see Bullwinkle. You will not see Boris Badenoff or Natasha. They have been uh, extricated. They have been removed almost as if they were left on the cutting room floor. That's part of this cultural protest uh, against the Ruskies. And now let's get into some of the facts that I was telling you just last week. The Mars Bar Company makes $2 billion a year selling mostly Snicker bars to the Russian public. They got them addicted to Snickers bars back in 1994. I saw that with my own eyes when I was visiting Moscow, having taken the train all the way from the old East Germany, uh, through Poland, Warsaw, then into Belarus, Minsk, and then into Moscow itself. And they were truckloads of uh, people being paid by the Mars Bars Corporation to give out free sample Snickers everywhere. Saw them in Gorky Park, outside of the uh, Moscow subway stations, magnificent as they were, you go further down in the center part of the city, sometimes three levels down, three escalator rides down, and the escalators have wooden slats. So it's very old school. The trains are pretty much post-World War II, but in the 50s. They arrive within a uh, tenth of a second. You see the Timex watches uh, uh, the countdown right on the, uh, right on the side of the subway system itself. Uh, And you can eat off the floor. You can eat off the tracks. You have these women in babushkas who are constantly cleaning. The trains are clean. Uh, And every every station is a museum. Even into the forest forest corridors of Moscow, every station is like going to the Museum of Natural History. Just amazing. You're not going to have that here, though, right? (laughs) God forbid if we were under attack like the residents of Kiev. Uh, they're hiding out in their subway stations. Uh, you could imagine uh, New Yorkers would say, no, uh, I'll take a pass on hiding in the uh, subway stations and retrofitting it into a bomb shelter. No way. But anyway, so the Mars Bars Corporation makes $2 billion, mostly selling Snickers for 50 cents a piece in Russia. So they've 
they refused to stop producing Mars bars and Snickers bars and selling them to the Russian public. They've instead said, we're going to continue to manufacture the Mars bars and the Snickers bars, and we'll donate the money to the uh, emerging refugee crisis. We won't be doing any advertising, no new investments, but we will be manufacturing Snickers and Mars bars. And the reason they have to do that is the Russians are hopelessly addicted to the Snickers bars. Hopelessly addicted. Got all those free samples. And in the uh, early 90s, 1990s, they became addicts. So much so in the parliament of uh, the Russian Federation, which is called the Duma. They had actual debates about was this part of some Western espionage, uh, the CIA criminals in action to basically control uh, the Russian community. And so they refused to close down. Now look at McDonald's. McDonald's has closed 850 of the stores they've had in Russia from Siberia to the the border in the Ukraine. Uh, They have 62,000 employees in all of Russia, and they're continuing to pay them even though they've closed their stores. And what the Russians have done is they've taken over the Mickey D's uh, they've taken the arches down, and they've taken that M, M symbol and turned it into a B. They pimped the name. They're still selling burgers there. Except instead of Mickey D's, I guess it's, uh, what? And Burger King had 800 stores. They wanted to close them down. But a Russian owned all the franchises, and he said, Niet. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, on the floor of the Duma, one of the leaders of uh, Putin's party stood up and gave a speech and said, good, good, close down, close down the Mickey D's, close them down, and tomorrow uh, we'll take those Burger Kings that they want to close down and we'll, talk them, we'll turn them into Uncle Vanya's. And apparently there are long lines in Pushkin Square to get the final McDonald's product. Some of the people so desperate, they're buying whatever is left in the McDonald's and they're putting it in their freezers. Burgers, cheeseburgers, quarter pounders with cheese, quarter pounders, Big Macs. And then that new sandwich they came out with, which is like uh, bifurcated, it's like a fish filet with a Mac center and then like a quarter pounder. What do they call that? The menu hack. Man, that is crazy. That is like a killer. And so they renamed it Uncle Vanya's. And they still have long lines in Pushkin Square. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Patrick, who's calling from Huntington. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Patrick. Good morning, Curtis. Listen, uh, both you and I can appreciate the benefits of a good hat, especially in the summertime with the sunburn, right? Absolutely. So, so I ap- applaud your diligence with sending out hats. With that being said, our friend Frank Morano has a segment. Ask Frank anything? Yeah, yeah. That, ask Frank anything. On Fridays, uh, for his last show for the week. Friday yes. mornings, it's his first hour. You can ask him anything. Yes, and so last night, I happened to be on the segment, and I won a hat. 
that's the good news. And here's the bad news. I want to hide from Frank. So what do you, what do you, <laughs> well, I tell you what, I tell you what, Patrick, because it is so hurtful. Uh, it is so offensive to you. We don't want to lose you as a listener. So uh, I tell you what, uh, Carmela, Carmelita, what what is your name again? Phone screen. What is it? Camelia. I want you to take Patrick's information, and we're going to send him the better hat, the Curtis Lee with uh, WABC love hat. You. So listen, hold on. Guess yes. what? How I won the hat. You want to hear the subject? Yes. Cottage cheese. Cottage cheese. Yes, sir. Well, now you yes. know that's Frank's favorite. Oh, he was in heaven. He 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 would have expanded on this for another forty-five minutes if he had the time. Easily. Now, did he say his favorite is Breakstone's cottage cheese? Uh, he mentioned, uh, I think, about every cottage cheese. He was actually pulling for advertisers during our talk. Wow, yeah. Oh, oh, he's yeah. throwing out some uh, fish lines for advertisers. He says he's buying generic stuff at home, and, uh, you know, he's a, uh, yeah. So, cottage cheese won it. I was... Well, know, I, so I tell go. you, I tell you why he uh, he is a connoisseur of fromage. Every year, he has a huge gathering in Atlantic City in one of the uh, casinos. I think the Borgata, where they have like a hundred people come and they sample all kinds of high end cheeses. Which, as you know, a high end cheese means wow, that's very fattening. You know, it's not 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 necessarily good for you. And then he has all kinds of wines. You know, from ninety nine cent chemical. Uh, 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 Julius and uh, Gallo, Gallo wines, uh, and then to the high end stuff. So uh, he always said to me, he said, cottage cheese is the best because you don't gain weight with it. Well, you know what I think won him over? I said, Frank, I know your affinity for cheese, whether it be on your dashboard of your car for a week or taken out of your refrigerator 10 minutes ago, honey. So I think he. he, he because he has, he has said he's eaten cheese that's been on his counter for four days. Yeah, and his wife and his wife would say, "What are you doing?" So, yeah, so I'm sure he's he's probably grabbed a piece of cheese, you know, stuck in the corner of the windshield that's been there for a week. And now you remember when uh, Mayor Eric Adams uh, he put on the schmuck and he was doing the cooking routine and he was trying to tell all of us how to live a better life. He actually equated eating cheese. To being so addictive, it was like having a heroin habit. Yeah, yeah, I remember reading that. That's pretty out of touch. I think, huh? yeah, but I think that applies to Frank, right? Well, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. He's addicted. Yeah. He's addicted to fromage, cheese, all kinds of cheese, especially the Parmesan cheese. All right, Kate. Okay. Thanks for the hat, Curtis. Uh, oh, you got it. Uh, stay on the line. I'll to tell you when uh, Frank's ever comes, if it ever comes. Yeah, well, you know, there have been many complaints that his take a month of Sundays to arrive. So stay right on the line. Uh, Carmelita, Carmine. No, no, that's that's a male name. See, I, I need to write down the name. In fact, Izzy, we got to write down the name at the beginning so I can just keep it plastered in front of me. Uh. Now, think of it. The hat we're sending to Patrick that he would much prefer rather than the Frank Morano hat. We'll get there quicker. We'll get there quicker. How could that be since he won his just last night? Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Uh, 
I'm Jimmy, the guy uh, with the private sanitation route, the roll-offs. Uh, I've spoken to you plenty of times before. My yard is by uh, Palagonia over there in, uh, I guess you can call it Brownsville. By, oh, uh, Brownsville, East New York. Junius, yeah, by Junius and Newlots right over there. Yeah, that's Murder Incorporated burial grounds there. That's exactly right. The the original uh, what was the the store there? The uh, just the department store, the original on Livonia Avenue. Uh, Fortune Office. Yes, Fortune Office was right on Pennsylvania Avenue and Livonia, and then there That's was right. uh, Sackman. Uh, excuse me, uh, on Sackman Street in Newport, there was Midnight Roses, where all the wise guys would show up to get their egg creams with their uh, with their salted uh, uh, rod pretzels. That's right. You know, it. Uh, there's a those standing uh, on the side of the building. I mean, each year it just fades more and more. But you can actually see the painting where it's uh, advertising fortune offs, and it's still there till this day. Yeah, yeah. You now, when I took uh, I took Sid Rosenberg there with the uh, the Guardian Angels, and I explained to him. I said, down below us, as we were crossing over uh, on uh, from Livonia Junior Street. From the uh, two train, we were crossing over to the L train. Right. I said, "This is where Lepke and Gura left the many bodies from Murder Incorporated when the Jews were the toughest mobsters, and the Italians would actually subcontract out to them." And he was amazed. He was amazed. That's a fact. That's a fact. That it's an actual fact. That neighborhood there was predominantly Jewish and Italian back in the '30s and '40s, and even into the '50s. And that's when it started to change. Uh, to an all African American neighborhood, which it remains till this day. Uh, but that's not why I called uh, Curtis. <clears throat> you mentioned before that you were buying Anthony, or you were thinking about buying Anthony for his high school graduation, a Dodge Charger. Uh, if that is indeed the case, let me make a suggestion to you. Uh, obviously, we're talking about your son now. Do not get him a Dodge Charger with a Hemi motor. Because if you do get him the one with the Hemi motor, you're talking about almost 600 horsepower. That's out of the factory. You know, no work being done. It's out of the factory, and he's a new driver, and that is way too much power for a 17-year-old. And chances are he's going to wind up in trouble, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, you know, I was planning on getting him instead because you're, you're right. That's too high power. That's too many horses underneath that uh, uh, in that engine block. I was going to get him one of those old Yugos. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea for a new driver because, you know, he's going to be driving in the city in the five boroughs. You know, and now they mind you, they do have a Dodge Charger that you can get with a regular motor in it. You don't, you know, I mean, the Hemi is uh, a little bit more expensive and obviously a lot more powerful. You can get the Dodge Charger with the regular, but you can even get the Dodge Charger with a six-cylinder in it, you know? So, I mean, if that's the case, that's where I would go. Get him a six-cylinder Dodge Charger. It's the exact same car. The only thing is the power isn't there, you know? And he doesn't need the power now. He doesn't need it. It's not necessary. You yeah, know, well, you I, know, if he age. if he had the power, you know where that Dodge Charger would have gone years ago. It would have gone to Fountain Avenue from Linden Fountain Boulevard, Starrett City, right, That's right, down to the dump, and that was the drag uh, the drag track. 
that's right. And, you know, I remember going down there with my GTO, Curtis. I had a convertible 68 GTO when I was 18 years old. And uh, now, although it wasn't six, five, 600 horsepower, it was 400 and change horsepower. So I used to eat Corvettes with that car, you know. And uh, I'm going to admit that it was too much horsepower for even me at 18 years old. Oh, yeah, I had a Rocket Olds 88. Rocket Olds 88. And, boy, you would touch the gas pedal, and that would fly. You 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 couldn't even feel how fast you were going. You realized you were going too fast, and sometimes it would be too late. Yes, exactly. Well, it's too late. You know what it is with those cars, with those 60s and 70s so-called muscle cars, they really did have so much power. And, again, you didn't realize it until you were already doing 70, 80 miles an hour, but you were intending on going that fast. That's just it. So when it came time to slow down or you had to uh, negotiate a certain turn or something like that, sometimes it became, like you just said, too late and bad things happened. So, you know, that's just a, a scenario that could happen with Anthony if he was to get a fast car like that. So just, uh, you know, use better judgment. And, uh, well, how like about said, how about a, we do this? You go. Jimmy, how about we do this? So we start with a box car. Yeah, all right. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, a little box car. <laughs> you know, we find him a nice hill and we say, uh, hey, Anthony, uh, just go down the hill a few times. You know, get the feel of it. Nice, good old-fashioned like, boxcar. Like the Little Rascals. Remember the Little Rascals? Yes. <laughs> well, see, the Midwest, the Mid- that was a big thing in the Midwest. They used to love to build their boxcars and race their boxcars, as if it was the Indianapolis 500 in Indiana. Uh, was it as big here? You know, uh, we, we, we did it, but it, it didn't dominate. Uh, as it did in the Midwest. I mean, that was a big thing for kids to make their boxcars uh, out of whatever they could find, you know, wheels that had been discarded on baby carriages, right. whatever they right. could uh, hook up and rev up, and then all of a sudden they had their their, their boxcar. You also needed some good hills, which I know in Brooklyn growing up we didn't have too many hills, but uh, I know we had the mini bikes when I was growing up. When I was eight, nine, or ten, we had three, three and a half horsepower mini bikes, you know, and we used to ride them in the schoolyards most of the time. But I mean, even those, even those, because they were capable of doing twenty, twenty-five miles an hour. But you know, even that, you know, if you got a little out of control, you know, you can get hurt. Let's face it, you know. But uh, is he, uh, as he, does he know how to drive yet, Anthony? Yeah, apparently he has driven uh, in the summers. Uh, adults have taken him driving. Uh, remember, I don't have a license. I failed uh, four times uh, parallel parking. So all I had were driver's permits. And I would always violate by being out there on my own. So I had the Rocket Olds 88 driving around like a, like a bandit, you know, going up 120, 140. I think it went up to like 160, and you really didn't yeah. even feel it. And I hear it is I have a driver's permit and never got stopped. <laughs> you know, funny. It's, it's funny that you say that, Curtis, because me with all the – trucks and tractor trailers that that i have you know being in the business that i'm in you know some of them with double sticks and 13 speeds and 
you know, the the young guys today, the, the, if they see a stick shift, they're like, no, 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 I don't know how to drive it. I don't know what to do. Or the, it's, you know, the young guys today, they're just you know, automatic transmissions. That's it. They see a stick shift. They don't know what to do. You could offer them 5000 a week, but they don't know how to shift gears. Unless, right unless there, you know. they had to pay for the gas, and then all of a sudden they realize, oh, stick shift, uh, it uses less gas. Yeah, it does. You know, you had uh, you had a caller before with, uh, you know, with my trucks. They're all diesel, and you know, diesel is like six seventy-five a gallon now here in the five boroughs. Six seventy-five wow. a gallon. Wow. So for me to fill up just a few trucks, you're talking about twenty-five hundred dollars. Twenty-five hundred dollars, Kurt, is cash, obviously. You know, and. You know, I mean, it's, and that's only for a few trucks, because each truck has two tanks, the one 75-gallon tank on one side, another 75-gallon tank on the other side. Uh, so you could just do the math, and then you fill up a few trucks, you're talking about a couple of grand. Well, I, tell and, you, I tell you, if you had to siphon that gas, as I was known to do from time to time, man, the diesel gas siphoning, that would get you sick. You'd be woozy. The rest of your day would be ruined. Now, high test, a little less, regular, and then there was no lead. That's right, no lead. Oh, I can't wait. We'll be talking to you two or four this afternoon. Uh, Left versus right, me versus Anthony Weiner. Don't go anywhere. The best of the boys is up next. That's Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg exclusively here at WABC.